This is your life. Right here, right now. It's real time. You hear me? Real time. podcast that celebrates all movies from the sublime to the suspicious and today we're heading into the future or the past or doesn't even really matter with a double feature of Walter Hill's Streets of Fire and Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days and who brought me this amazing double he is the uh, host of the really really great Who Dropped the Popcorn which I definitely recommend listening to if you haven't already uh it is Shafi Shafi Malik I hope I got that right hey how's it going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, you got it perfectly. And yes, uh, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. Um, no, because uh, you sort of said, hey, uh, reached out and said, hey, I, uh, well, I was saying I just watched The Wailing and you said, oh, I've just done an episode on this and on your show. And then I listened to it and went, oh, this is a really great show. And I knew you've been on Twitter for quite a while. So um, thank you so much yes. for coming on. So we could talk about these movies and I finally actually get to meet you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Even if thank it is you. Thanks. <laughs> No, that's good. What did you think of the wailing? Can I ask? Is that okay? I really liked it. It was an affronting. I wasn't expecting it to be it to be as affronting as it was. Like, yeah. um, it throws a lot at you a lot of the time, especially when you really <clears throat> get into the possession kind of stuff and the yes. um yep. and the alternative healing and that little girl who won't stop screaming, but you want to give her a hug no. anyway and yet lock her in a room at the same time. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot to take, but I think it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. But halfway through it, I was like, oh, I think I might need a break. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. It's no, especially the um, your other two co-host reactions um, to it were just like, wow, this is a this is a lot of movie. It's good, but it's a lot of movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's the thing. It does at times feel like a bit of an endurance test because of the the running time, but. Um, and because it's a lot, it's pretty intense from beginning to end, even though the it does sort of veer into comedy. Um, it does at the weirdest times. Like the scene with the dog um, should not have been funny, and yet it kind of was. Yes, yes yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, as I said in our in our podcast episode, that uh, it, um, at t- I mean, have you seen Memories of a Murder? Have you seen I that have, film? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so um, it yeah at, at the start it sort of reminded me of memories of a murder in the fact that um, you know the the, lead, the protagonist is um, you know bumbling he's a bumbling cop and there's there are sort of murders that are going on in the small town um, uh, and he has these sort of violent streaks but they're quite funny at the same time um, so yeah it, it's it's sort of the 
with the rest of the group on on that podcast episode it sort of threw them off kind of uh, that kind of weird um kind of bouncing in tone but um for me it worked perfectly it's one of my favorite uh, horror films of the part like most recent horror films the past few years oh it's amazing and especially that ending like because you think oh well I'm not going to give away the ending <clears throat> but there's a certain thing you think is going to happen and then it does it and then completely does something else um and you're kind of just left staring at the screen going oh wow this yeah um but it's just the um the I guess it was an exorcism scene um was just all this color and noise and you kind of get hypnotized by it a lot I mean you've got a lot of people screaming at you but it's yeah um it's kind of a mesmerizing movie and yeah it is it, I thought about it a lot after I started watching it because it is an incredible p- uh, piece of movie and you're right because I thought it did lull me into a sort of a false sense of security like oh this is memories of a murder I know what this is yeah no no yeah, I yeah, don't yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and also I think for me the thing that sort of um you think you you think as if you sort of watch lots and lots of films you feel like you you become more savvy about films and you know where it's going to lead you yeah where I think this is I think this is a film that deliberately plants these things in your head as as you go well plant the things in my head as I was going so I thought I could sort of predict where the plot was going but then it takes you in a completely different left turn um and I I I, I really sort of I was like wow you know yeah. I did not expect that no, I did not expect that from the whaling at at all. Um, and while we're on that, please actually tell um, everyone um, uh, all about who dropped the popcorn because it is actually a really really fun uh, uh, podcast. It's uh, especially with your two old friends, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's there's four of us, and uh, it's uh, basically how it started was that. We're, we're on a WhatsApp group, just like, you know, mm. every sort of group of friends are. And then we, um, I think what happened was, because it's quite, we've only only been going for a few months, but mm. um, it was toward, it was the beginning of this year when there was the attack on Capitol Hill and um, someone mentioned, well, this is like the purge. And I, I replied saying, it's more like uh, idiocracy. Uh, you know, this Mike Judge film, uh, and I, I didn't get any response. I'm, I, so I just messaged. Well, I guess you guys haven't seen that. And then, um, and then Andy, one of, one of the group, he replied saying, um, "You know what? We should do like a film club where you know, like a book club, but you know, they they're too stupid to read books. They don't read books, so uh, they, so so we should do we should do a, a film club where." One of us um, picks a film and then we sort of just get together to discuss it. And then uh, I think Kyle was the one that said, <clears throat> well, let's just make it a podcast. Mm. And um, and then it just went from there. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just so surprised we've got this far because uh, so there's one or two, I'm not going to say who, one or two members of the group that are not very technologically uh, uh, in the know, I guess. <laughs> so... Um, uh, actually, just to, I'm not going to say who it is, but there's one of them. We actually managed to record this podcast each from our own individual homes, but one of them doesn't even have Wi-Fi in his house. So, <laughs> hey, there's a conversation I remember uh, something about that. So, um, it's so yeah, they were just like they were using someone else's hotspot or something. 
yeah exactly yeah yeah i can't oh god i apologize now i just like i don't remember who it was to... by the way so i can't i can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. think it but i do remember going it's, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yes yeah, so um yeah so yeah but basically the whole premise i mean you know it's quite, it's quite a simple premise it's just that one of us one of us picks the film and then we all watch the film and then we come together on the podcast to discuss it and the film is the criteria of the film is that needs to be that no one else in the group has seen it but it's a very loose rule because there have been once or twice where some of us have seen the film before but um but yeah it's a we um yeah it's uh, it's it's a chance for us to sort of just get together because you know in these times you know it's quite difficult to sort of see your friends and one of one of them actually lives we, we all three three of the group live in jersey mm. but um one of them uh lives um in the very north of england well not very north england mm. but north england and um so it's really just a chance for us to sort of hang out and you know we thought well let's just record it and see if anyone else likes it and uh um it's been good feedback so far so no okay. it's yeah it's a really fun podcast just because you have this really great rapport you obviously know each other um you kind of know each other's taste to the extent where you know where you can push them in slightly different directions because what I love it's a really eclectic mix of films um sorry to bother you and then of course the new Bond movie um yes. and then yeah. uh Blood Simple uh Boko Banzai I'm going to I've already got queued up on Amazon I can't wait <laughs> um I'm going to butcher the name is it Jelly Kutu? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yes. that's nice. That, that sounds good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so you can kind of get this really eclectic mix of movies and just kind of see everyone's kind of reactions, which is sometimes going, what was that? I don't understand it. Or I love this movie. It's kind of, yeah, there's different approaches. Everyone has seems like has a different approach to the thing they're watching, which, um, which is just really fun to listen to. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And can I just quickly ask you because you meant you mentioned that name mm. what did you think of uh no time to die I, I, you know um i really loved it um i think i kept waiting for me i kept waiting for the moment where I, it was going to lose me but i just kind of it had all the bond trappings i wanted in 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 a bond <coughs> movie so i was and even more of them like james bond's making apples and cheese for a little girl um yes, yes that was yeah, just the yeah. sweetest man he's just like going how is it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um no, it it no. I really, really, I really enjoyed it. Yes. You obviously liked it from your podcast. It was a very um... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I th I think I do, I do. Um, you know, there's there's one or two things that I do have qualms with regarding um, in the fact that because I didn't really enjoy Skyfall. Hmm. That's kind of an understatement, but uh, <laughs> I fear. But um, so. The parts that reminded me, sorry, not Skyfall, sorry, uh, because I really didn't enjoy Spectre. Um, yes. Um, the parts that reminded me of Spectre, um, I, I kind of like, oh, just get on, get on with the rest of the film that doesn't have, you know, the whole, so the whole Black Blofeld scene, um, you know, uh, yeah. I was just sort of like, I just come on, just get back to James Bond being cool and, mm. uh, you know. So um, yeah, but I, but other than that, yeah, I I found it. I it's interesting. We there um, we can we can uh, mention our friend, our mutual friend Mike, uh, who didn't really <laughs> uh, warm to the film. He's on his <laughs> island drinking mojitos. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Not liking and, No uh, Time to Die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, 
I mean, the thing is, I, my response was that's that's fine if yeah. if he if he doesn't like it. Um, but I think I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it really has a sense of fun about it. So I don't know. You know, um, that my experience about it being sort of feeling a bit too self serious. I, I like it didn't have that, you know, but maybe. Uh, no, I didn't quite see that either. I thought this is kind of the one where you saw Daniel Craig actually being funny, but in not in a goofy yeah. way, like Spectre, like they tried to make him funny and it never worked. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And this kind of got the balance of humour right. Um, yeah. And I kind of admire how hard No Time to Die worked to try and make Spectre work. It, I kind of yeah. ended up admiring it. I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing all of it, except for the half-brother <laughs> thing. They pointedly <laughs> say he's not your half-brother. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Oh, it really went to town of like, no, we're going to make you believe in this relationship. We are, yep, Spectre's, we're going to really make you remember Spectre in a good way. Um, <laughs> and I kind of have to admire it that that's yeah, put in a yeah, lot yeah. of effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no, I, yeah, I, um, I haven't, I've only watched it um, once, but um, I'd be happy to sort of uh, watch it again once yeah. it sort of comes out here. Yeah, me too. It's kind of, weirdly I didn't notice the runtime um I just saw a new movie last night which well I saw June last night and even though I liked it I really noticed that runtime Bond just went yes. oh crap we're we're, <laughs> we're here already the end I didn't even notice three hours go by <laughs> yep we are in sync with how we both felt about those two films so <laughs> yes we're definitely with definitely yeah. with June yes. I felt that running time where um where Bond, yeah, it just sort of flashed by, I think. Yeah, yeah it really, really does. Time is all very relative uh, in a pandemic and in a movie. So, Yes, yes, um, exactly. And, and with that, we are going to get into our double feature. Um, as usual, curtains are opening. We're going to be watching Streets of, of Fire. Um, Shafi, if, we were get, if you were going to show your first trailer for Streets of Fire, what would it be? So I would choose... Uh, green room. The music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. Sorry guys, we gotta clear up. You follow me? And then it's over. Holy shit. I told you to follow Keep us here and gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> I when, when you mentioned this to me, I was a little annoyed. I didn't think of it first, to be honest. Um okay. <laughs> it yeah. is such a yeah, this is perfect. Um I've only seen the green room once. I'm not entirely sure if I want to ever go back to it, but that movie is incredible. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I, we actually mentioned um, Jeremy Solnier in the most recent episode where mm-hmm. we were talking about um, we, we were talking about um, modern westerns, and um, I was talking about Blue Ruin being kind of one of my favorite. If we talk about kind of modern westerns, mm-hmm. I think Blue Ruin is probably one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, this is the follow-up to Blue Ruin, and I think I mean, regarding sort of the theme of these these films that we picked, um, uh, uh, both 
Streets of Fire and, and um, Strange Days. It's sort of, it's like the music sets a tone to how the film, that the, the following film will sort of play out. Yes. Um, and I, and, um, you know, and regarding Green Room, it's pretty much like that. You know, the, the film starts with a punk band um, uh, and the rest of the film feels punk, really. It really uh, does, yeah. In, in, in its spirit, um, uh, fighting against Nazis, um, uh, you know, in, 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 its, in its kind of costume design, those sort of jackboots and the, the braces that go over the shoulders and, um, and you know, it's sort of grimy and, you know the, the violence is not pretty at all oh no um yeah so especially that, uh, that arm one <laughs> yes yeah exactly yeah so I, I think that that was sort of why I sort of chose and also I mean from the surface level it features a band so yes. <laughs> so so sort of uh but yeah I, I think you know um I think we when it comes to these films yeah it's sort of like the the music is uh, is sort of dictating the aesthetic of the film. I know yes. That hopefully, hopefully that doesn't sound too pretentious, but uh, but yeah, I, that's what that that's sort of why I chose this trailer. So. I, no, this is a great trailer, and from memory, I could be very wrong. So correct, please correct me. Um, the main band does sing uh, "Nazi punks fuck off" to yeah. a whole bunch yeah. of Nazis while they're doing yeah. the gig. Which, if this doesn't try and um, yeah set the tone of the movie, I don't know what what does <laughs> exactly yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah um the, yeah, dead, so, the dead kennedys yeah um which i yeah. will you get that moment of instant danger when they start singing that song because you're like oh no but but these are nazis <laughs> yeah 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 and uh, as just with streets of fire it starts with an opening number and you know that's sort of like the rhythm of the, that the film that will proceed and it's the same with green room so. absolutely as i said for those reasons i was kind of annoyed i didn't think of this because you're <laughs> absolutely right it does just um like streets of fire it sets the tone yes the two very different styles of music but as soon as you hear that opening um number in green room you know exactly what movie you're going to get into i mean yes the violence is surprising but you generally know the tone and same with streets of fire so no that is that is a perfect perfect trailer and I guess it's and it's sort of shot in quite a is in green room has sort of lots of like low light and hmm. um, streets of fire has the same thing I'd say yeah it really does actually I was kind of surprised how dark the movie was like I was like oh I forgot how not how, <laughs> just how just how dark with these beautiful reds and blues and and greens and everything like that peppered through but um we'll get into the, the opening scene but yeah I was like I forgot yeah. I couldn't see William Defoe's face for the crowd I was like what's, yes. wrong? what's wrong with my yeah, screen <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This, rented, this rented copy looks shit. <laughs> it's like, no, that's yeah. the, that's what the movie is. Yeah. yeah, which is same with Green Room. I mean, you get everything about it is conveying the tone and yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Um, well, yeah, I'm going also for a weird uh, trailer, which I don't think a lot of people have actually seen. Um, and I think the trailer is probably just going to confuse everyone. So I kind of chose it for the tone. But this is The Damned or We Are The Damned. But uh, it's a Hammer movie from 1963, directed by Joseph Losey, of all people. Black leather, black leather, smash, smash, smash. Black leather, black leather, crash, crash, crash. Black leather, black leather, kill, kill, kill. I got that beat. Black leather rock. 
Animals dressed as human beings. Smash, smash, smash. A game for the wild ones, played with the passion of the damned. Jump! No. Don't ever do that again, Joni. I'll do what I like, King. Do you think I'll let a man put his dirty hands on you? This is a movie that is about six different genres within the one thing, kind of like Streets of Fire. It is starts off with an American who's on holiday in, I think, want to say either the south of Britain or the north of Britain. He's near the coast, um, one of the coastal towns, and he meets a girl who is ultimately a honey trap to so a biker gang led by the great Oliver Reed, who's I'm hoping, I'm hoping was drunk while making this, um, oh, wow. <laughs> um, is uh, planning to rob them. And through a series of different events, then you creep into a completely different movie, one that you were not even a little bit expecting. Um, so it's really, I chose this mainly because of, again, tone. It's kind of a movie that you, this is more of a movie where you think it's one thing and then it switches into a completely different genre. The Streets of Fire is much more of one piece, but I chose it because within that one piece, Streets of Fire has like five different genres going on, which is why I kind of like it. So yeah, but it's definitely worth a watch. It's a really dark and creepy movie once you get past the, the biker gang element. And again, like the wailing, you're like, wait, what? How did they get here? <laughs> it's much more yeah, science just... fiction horror. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's my trailer I'm going for. I won't ruin it. <laughs> Yeah, so you uh, say so it is sci-fi, is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah, very much sci-fi. Right. Uh, okay, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, it, it, it sounded, when I sort of um, started kind of looking at it and looking at clips and stuff like that, it felt more like um, it was reminding me of um, Straw Dogs. Yeah, a little bit of Straw Dogs, a little bit of Ch- uh, uh, Village of the Damned and a little mm. bit of um, a few other movies. It's... It doesn't, I don't think it completely work, works because I think there is just too much going on, but it's definitely that movie of you, th- oh, I'm in this Straw Dogs biker movie. No, wait, then there's something else happening. Um, yeah. And it's all about kind of leading you into a false sense of security. I, well, it, actually, it would pair well with Green, green Room just because um, the characters are finding themselves in a situation where they didn't expect to find themselves. And it's, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating little movie. And I'm kind of surprised. It's kind of one of those weird Hammer ones where you're like, wait, Hammer made this? Wait, Joseph Losey, who made The Servant, made this? It's kind of, um, yeah, it's got a whole bunch of stuff going on, but it's got a really comic booky kind of trailer, which again, is just going to fit well with um, Streets of Fire. There's a lot of pals in there. All right. Oh, cool. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It it tries to go for the, look at the, I wanted something that kind of approximated Tommy Boys and all the other biker movies were much more 70s and much more hippie, um, like The Wild Ones and kind of things like that. So, um, yeah, that, that is my first trailer and I would definitely recommend watching it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to check that out because yeah. it sounds great. Mm. Uh, what would your second trailer be for Streets of Fire? So the second trailer I picked is The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across <laughs> the Eighth Dimension. <laughs> This is perfect. Buckaroo, President's on line one, calling about is everything okay with the alien space club and planet 10, or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. 
Which was yes, to destroy Russia or uh, number two? <laughs> I really need to see this movie again. Um, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. And I think I remember, I just remember sitting down, it was on TV, I don't even think at the beginning, and just going, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it is a perfect, perfect trailer. Um, it, uh, Weller in that jacket is just perfect. So this is um, just the tone, the look, everything. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's sort of a running joke in our podcast where we've been picking films from 1984 but not sort of intentionally as in they just by coincidence these all these films have been coming from 1984 so I mean it's my probably my mate's gonna um have a go at me for the fact I picked Streets of Fire which is another film from 1984 yes um but yes but yeah so they sort of do feel like um films that I mean yeah they're both released in 1984 they kind of just feel very they feel like they're sort of distant cousins you know um yeah it's in Streets of Fire to the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension and Mm. um in the fact that well I mean obviously the aesthetic is very new wave so um uh you know and yeah everything I mean you know Buckaroo Banzai is is in that band and there's that scene where he's where he he, um he plays the the little mini trumpet and uh <laughs> was it the double trumpet i think um i don't know it's, and, a, it's uh, a weird looking thing i didn't even know i don't think i quite knew what it was <laughs> a bugle yeah, yeah, a bugle, yeah. yeah. Um, um so um yeah but i, th- I think just every, everything about the film sort of feels new wave and um and god those outfits look great just like some of the outfits look really good in um in streets of fire and um uh yeah it's just uh yeah so when so this was this this actually uh as, as you mentioned in the beginning um this film was selected as as one of the films and it was a big blind spot for me i i usually sort of think i've, I've i'm aware i'm aware and i've sort of see, seen the you know films cult films from the 80s but mm. well as in most of them but um but this felt like uh yeah i hadn't seen it before and when i f- first saw it uh, and if you might so, uh, you'll probably if you listen back to that episode I was sort of less enthusiastic about it I was just I kind of just sat along and let everyone sort of talk about how much they liked it mm. but but I think it's a film that I've revisited and I've sort of come to appreciate more I think it's one of those films that um and you know we'll, I guess we'll go into this later about my sort of relationship with um Strange Days is that it goes for the big swings and um you know you kind of admire films that do that right you really do yeah um yeah. It, it's it's a it's a kind of a weird not I keep saying weird movie and I haven't seen it in a long time so I need really need to revisit it but it's kind of again one of those movies where you have to sit down and you kind of have to figure out the visual or what's happening a little bit like Streets of Fire and actually Strange Days actually funnily enough um you do the first time you watch them you're kind of like going okay so what world am I in what's what's exactly happening um which most movies will establish this, um, what Streets of Fire and we'll get into Strange Days does is they establish it, but they also don't necessarily tell you what's happening. Even though Strange Days does exactly tell you what year it is, you have a watch. I watched it after 2000, we'll, as we'll get into. But um, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a great, great trailer because it really does that um, amazing. And 1984 was a hell of a year. I mean, it's yeah. it kind of feels 
even though some of the most popular movies of the 80s came out during that year, it feels kind of like a weird outlier in the 1980s. It's just all these amazing, weird, big swing movies started coming out. I mean, The Terminator, Ghostbusters, I think was even 1984. Um, yeah, was that yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Buckaroo Banzai, Streets of Fire. <coughs> I mean, not all of them. Some of them worked spectacularly. Yeah. Some of them did not work. I mean, The Gremlins. <laughs> So it kind of feels, even though it defined the 80s, it kind of felt it was the year of um, really big movies were taking really big swings, especially with a lot of genre movies. And I look forward to when the, uh, Who Dropped the Popcorn Popcorn does Body Double for 1984 oh, as well. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Body Double. That'd be a good one. Yeah. See how the rest of the group react to that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, and, and you yeah, know, the, the film that we, we, um, looked at was uh was june the original june as well yes 1984 yes and that's an oddball film as well i mean Mm. you know sure that this new film has got its um odd moments but it's sort of very faithful to well from my understanding it's very faithful to the um to the source material but um this really um you know i mean david lynch he's gonna obviously gonna he's gonna uh, (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna have cats being um milked and stuff like that so um yeah so uh yeah 1984 is just a hell of a year and um yeah I I was I was thinking um I was born in 1982 and that uh I was sort of on a a few years ago I was on a mission to sort of watch like all the the um seminal 1982 films but it feels like damn I wish I was born in 1984 because there's so many iconic films made that year but yeah 1982 feels like the last hurrah of the 70s almost because 1982 is also a hell of a year I mean yeah you just yeah you just pick up all these classics and you're like oh well those are all amazing movies and then you look at 1984 and you're right it feels more new wave it feels more like they're taking again really big swings but in a completely different direction but yeah it's an amazing yeah uh, when you look at the stuff that came out you're like oh yeah I love all these movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that would be the perfect one to slide into um uh <laughs> thing but I am picking a trailer and I decided because I obviously don't know westerns as well as I thought I did um I'm picking John Ford's The Searchers from 1956 I want to say From the thrilling pages of life rides a man you must fear and respect. A man whose unconquerable will and boundless determination carved a lusty, rough and boisterous slice of history called The Searchers. It's John Wayne as Ethan Edwards who had a rare kind of courage. The courage that simply keeps on and on far beyond all reasonable endurance, never thinking of himself as martyred, never thinking of himself as brave. So we'll find him in the end, I promise you. We'll find him. Um, completely different in tone. Um, but whenever I watch Streets of Fire, all I can think of is it's a Western because it is stranger comes to town, stranger does a job. Stranger yep. has to uh, fight a bad guy of posses, which in this case is Willem Dafoe's biker gang yeah um and it's all i can think of is is uh is the searches which is a completely different movie i mean this is not made in a studio it's not made it's not confined i mean you have those big amazing um uh i can't remember the belly it's in but it's this amazing kind of valley in the middle of america scenery and it's kind of got weirdly one of 
John Wayne's most difficult and best performances where you're looking at him going, you are a racist asshole. And I think I'm meant to think you that way. I think you are. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think yeah. there's any, I don't think John Ford's, I like, uh, John Ford liked to torture John Wayne and like to make him look like the biggest asshole on screen. And he does in the searches and it's um, to the movie's benefit. And then you just get, yeah, it's so it's, yeah. So you're going to get this grand sweeping, uh, grand sweeping, um, <laughs> trailer of the searches before we get into the amazing um set bound streets of fire so that's my <laughs> second trailer <laughs> i realized i should have started with that one <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't seen searches in a while it's mm. probably been about 10 years since i've seen the searches um we've actually probably more than that probably about mm. 15 15 years um and um yeah i i think one thing is that it probably didn't it sort of set the archetype for like an anti-hero i guess i think it did um, it was definitely one of them yeah you know and i th i think that regarding the lead character in, in streets of fire he pretty much sort of follows on from that arch archetype you know the i i don't you know i don't want to show my true feelings but you know yes uh, i'd rather i'd rather have a giant shotgun and you know shoot some motorbikes down but um uh, i'm emotionally invested yeah, in this and i don't like it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, man, the searches is something that I would love to see in the big screen. So even sort of probably seeing that trailer would um, would be sort of mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Monument Valley. That's it. Um, yeah. It's it, yeah, it would be an amazing movie to see on the big screen because it is just these grand sweeping vistas of this amazing landscape and which they use to full of full effect. Um, but yeah, it does kind of set up the archetype of the antihero the guy with the gun who comes in to do a job but is, emo is emotionally invested in what he's trying to do and it makes him much more angry um about it um but yeah so that is my final trailer and uh, with that great choice yes um and with that we are going into streets of fire i'll be coming for her and i'll be coming for you too sure you will and i'll be waiting You are about to enter a world unlike any you've ever seen before, where rock and roll is king. The only law is a loaded gun, where the beautiful, see the show, it's really good. The brutal, I want Tom Cody, and the brave all meet. From now on, it's for real. In Streets of Fire. Now, um, I probably only saw this a couple of years ago for the first time. When was the first time that you saw Streets of Fire? Yeah, it's the same, actually. Mm. I've, um, I'd, it, it was basically me trying to get through all the Walter Hill films. Um, um, uh, so I kind of just, you know, a couple of years ago, I sort of tried to get through them all with... Um, uh, with, you know, well, I, I was very familiar with... The Warriors and 48 Hours, mm. but also kind of watching like Southern Comfort. Um, you, you know, I'm sort of one of those people that like sort of read screenplays as well. So went out to sort of discover the original Alien script as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then and then the thing is that um, 
yeah, just I thought, what, what's this funny little film that look, that's basically a musical? But yeah, I mean, one thing, it's got one of the coolest posters, right? It really does. <laughs> you know, that is just a gorgeous looking poster. And yeah. um, so you can't just help but be sort of curious about the film when you when you see that that poster um uh but yeah I, I did I, but um and I kind of thought well it's it's a rock and roll uh it's, it's as muted as the rock and roll fable <laughs> I'm doing air quotes for, yes. for the listeners um um but uh um it's a it's muted as a rock and roll fable and I thought well it's probably going to feel a bit dated but you know what when I watched it and when I watched it just recently as well it just flies by it's just a very quick fun um you know uh yeah it's it's just it's a film that's sort of uh I mean it's around about 90 minutes anyway but mm. um those 90 minutes minutes just go so quickly yeah it is it's a really kind of fun it feels almost like a fantasy um almost because um Walter Hill is obviously putting everything he loves into one movie and I guess it would have been very this maybe I'm guessing maybe be heartbreaking that it bombed as hard as, as it did um back in 1984 um because it feels like he's just like oh I like this kind of <coughs> like he obviously went to Jim Steinman personally feel I don't even know if this is true but this is just what it feels like I like your we, your meatloaf music can you write some songs <laughs> for me and he went sure and then he wrote one of my favorite now favorite songs um Nowhere Fast um oh, nice oh that yeah. opening um yeah. and yeah it's got the comic book stuff it's got the western stuff it's got what everything a teenager growing up in the 50s or 60s would think is cool um which is kind of why I think it feels kind of dated even for the 1980s um even though there was a renaissance of the 50s kind of coming back uh but that was more in the, that was actually more in the 70s wasn't it like happy days and all that kind of stuff or yeah well that, that was sort of a rocky rockabilly style rockabilly, yeah was, yeah which um which was sort of 80s ish, was yes, it? Yes, it was kind of 80s ish. Yeah. 80s ish. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, of course, because you read any Stephen King book and it harkens back to that sort of rockabilly 50s kind of feel as well. But um, yeah, but it kind of feels weirdly dated for 1984, maybe. I don't know, but it does feel this weirdly dated movie. Yes, <laughs> it feels futuristic. He's got yep. in another time, it, it's set in another time and place. So you're not even meant to know if it's the 80s or if it's the 50s or what exactly you're looking at um but it's kind of this mishmash of different kind of things on styles and kind of things and you're just sort of watching this going actually you don't get a chance to do that because that opening scene is one of my favorites just of all time um that those the speeds of nowhere fast coming up um uh you've got people going to the theater to watch Ellen aim um even one of the police officers going can we just go see the show <laughs> um yeah. you got the bikers rocking up and all of a sudden that song hits and Diane Lane just runs on stage and starts singing it's got this it has this amazing energy that kind of just pulls you in instantly so you're not even those questions of okay what am I actually watching don't come up until like 30 40 minutes into the movie and it already kind of has you by then Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as as I said earlier, it mm. just sort of sets the tone and it sets the sorry, it sets the pace of, yes. the, of the film, and uh, and it doesn't really let up from from there on. Um, even though Raikou the score is um, um, 
you know very sort of twangy and sort of quite relaxed mm. you still you're still the action that kind of goes in from that's in front of your eyes is at, at that same pace of, of that of that opening and um uh yeah i mean you you were talking about sort of where you know it's another time in another place i was trying i was watching it trying to figure out which city is this set in like i was just thinking like what what city are they trying to mimic and i think they yeah what, what I, do you think i think it's actually chicago it's um because yeah. i was reading the trivia and they said they walter hill wanted to sit it in chicago but didn't want to go to chicago so they built chicago in la um which says everything about the friggin movie um so yeah because i always wondered as well I'm like what is i thought it was just a made-up city and then i was i was reading something they said no it's actually meant to be set in chicago i'm like that looks nothing like chicago <laughs> doesn't even feel like a chicago movie <laughs> yeah 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 no that's what that's what i was trying that's what i was thinking at first i thought is is it chicago but then it didn't yeah it didn't feel there were some parts which didn't feel like that but um it still looks it's a great looking film um and as i said before it has those sort of low lights and um uh you know especially when they're the exteriors or when they're trying to infiltrate that club um you know uh it's it's like a, a sit one thing i guess you know talking about the film that's going to follow regarding strange days is that it has a even though you, there's no name for the city that that they're in, it mm. there definitely feels a like a sense of place. Oh, film, I guess yes, this is its own little contained world, which I kind of love because it's all about um, Ellen Ain coming back to her hometown to do a to do a show, and it all going kind of story from there. Um, yeah, so it's about two people coming who were together who are now coming um, sort of back to their hometown. And it does have a definite sense of place. Um, it's its own sense of place, um, but yeah. it's definitely a really amazing sense of place. Like I love all the clubs. I love the yeah. fact that when the bikers roll up and you don't see Willem Dafoe's face. Like I always thought you did. Like I had a memory that even though it's not that old, but I'm like, don't yeah. you see his face in the crowd, but you don't. He's just this shadowy no. figure um, yeah. that's about to go and take um, Alan Aim. Um, but yeah, it's, and just how, that um, first um, uh, show sequence is staged, just those two guys in the suits um, framing Ellen and the low lighting and that gorgeous outfit she's wearing, which is pretty much like a skin thing tights with the with the red wrapped around oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, what a great outfit, right? It's yeah, such yeah, a great outfit. Good. It's so perfect, it <clears throat> suits her. She looks really beautiful and glamorous. She looks like a rock star. Yeah. And what this world says is a rock star, like it's kind of, this is a like, we'll get into strange days but this is a movie that kind of makes up its own rules so when you watch and like Buckaroo Banzai and Green Room and all those movies um they these are movies that are making up its own rules and its own world and you just need to catch up with it these are things you just need to accept as soon as you're watching the movie and having that musical number or that um uh, band kind of thing at the beginning just sets it up perfectly it's so you're like yeah I'm ready for I'm, I'm in this world I'm ready for it bring it on and then after that that's when you get the credits which i love it's kind of that very yeah. typical well not typical because i don't think he used it for all of his movies especially probably after this because he realized that it bombed but um that comic book kind of style paneling that where things actually look shot like they're in a panel of a comic book and you introduce um tom cody his, his sister 
and um, kind of what the plot's going to be of like, okay, you're back in town. Okay, you need to go and find Ellen Aim. Um, she's been kidnapped. Um, and it just sort of sets up all these, I don't know. It's it's just that, that first 20 minutes of the movie is kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, it's funny you say it, it kind of sets its own rules. So it, yes. it sets its own rules where it's only being policed by two cops it seems like there's a giant sort of gang war and there's only two cops around uh, you know they 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 seem to seem to be like the only people that um that that patrol the the, the city that they're living in uh, they don't really sort of call for backup do they <laughs> no they don't they kind of rely on the other gangs to deal with the other gangs it's kind of yeah you're right i didn't really think of that but it's a very underfunded there's two policemen that's it <laughs> yeah 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 um but yeah you're right it does have the rules the fact that there's only two policemen this is an um city of where gangs rule everything um and it kind of yeah i guess that's why i keep thinking of a western because it does set up this kind of lawless society of um no rules it's just the different gangs who are control different areas like because when they go to the other bar or the other club um where they're keeping Alan aim it's again its own little contained world I mean this is a oh god I love the song they're playing yeah. when you get into that club but it's yeah. again it's its own every part of this movie has its own kind of own rules and it depends on which song is playing that kind of illustrates what kind of um now world that you're in and it, it's actually really really clever yeah yeah I, I think so it's um and yeah, there there are just so many iconic, uh, you know, images. You know, you said you alluded to it before regarding Diane Lane's first outfit when she's on that ah, stage. Yes. But, but even, um, but, um, but even Michael pa is it? Pa how do you pronounce his surname? Is, is it Paray? Paray, Paray, or something Paray. like that. Yeah. Um, he even that sort of outfit of the long trench coat with the with the shotgun, which I guess in the same year was uh was uh very iconic regarding Michael Bien and uh Terminator as well. Yes. Um, and even Tom Weller wears a long <laughs> trench coat. He wears a no wait, does he wear a trench coat in Buckaroo Banzai or am I just complaining? I think I might completely complain. Uh, he he wears this sort of leather jacket mm. and um it's this like this white leather jacket with, with nothing underneath and uh yeah it's uh beautiful yes, beautiful yes yes. <laughs> yes it is <laughs> um but yeah um yeah so you know there there are there is so much sort of this you know a, a lot even kind of like strange days there's just a lot even as i said the aesthetics are just so that they sort of imprint in your mind after you after the film's over um you just uh you know it's a uh, beautiful pe beautiful people looking beautiful i guess yes even rick moranis is beautiful in this <laughs> movie um which i would argue yes. he's beautiful in a lot of movies um yeah. i nearly chose a, a little tree a little shop of horrors purely for that reason but um and just have another 80s musical where you're just this making up their own rules as yes, they go along yeah 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 good shout yeah yeah, yeah yeah um but he's even um i actually believe believe that alan aim is maybe not in love with him but definitely has affection for him um even though he's a complete arsehole through most which is kind of nice to see him in that mode actually um he's against type right he's against type yeah he looks like he's going to be 
Rick Moranis, but then you see him, the first line is, oh, never should have brought it back to the shithole. Um, could be making real bank elsewhere. And it's kind of, you know, like, oh God, Rick, what are you doing? And, but he's playing against type. He's, he's kind of, um, I think he, the only problem is he tends to repeat the same lines over and over again. Like I think I noticed some of the script was just like going, well, characters really do repeat motifs of who they are, uh, don't they? Um, but then I'm like, Lindsay, don't care. This movie looks amazing and you love the music and it's it's an amazing movie. Stop nitpicking. Um, it's, yeah, and he's really, really great. And he looks really cool in it. He just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. He's playing against type and... Yeah, I'm like, no, I totally believe this guy would be with someone like Alan Aim, and she's the like the coolest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's that um that character where they it's basically the jerk, I guess, is what yes. and I'm doing air quotes yes, again. Yes, air quotes uh, again. <laughs> yeah, um the, yeah, it's the, the But jerk, he's so tiny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's so tiny. Yeah. Maybe he's got small man syndrome. But, Maybe. Um, yeah um but yeah he um but he's he's still great in it though and mm. uh and it's nice that he's he is uh along he goes along for the ride in this sort of action adventure that, that follows he really does i do kind of like it how there's negotiation of like okay you need to go get it all right you're coming with me no i don't yes yeah. yes you were okay i'm bringing mccoy along yeah. Um, and I, Amy Madigan's great in this movie. I think um, the way she punches out Bill Paxton again, another 1984 cameo. Bill Paxton keeps popping up in movies um, <laughs> in small roles. Uh, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just the cast all seems to work well. Maybe not Parade, but um, I think that's just one of those things. And it doesn't. It kind of bothers me because I wish he had as much energy as everyone else, but it, he just doesn't. But at the same time, oh really? He, you, yeah, you, don't, you weren't you weren't oh. convinced by Parry's performance. No, no, I wasn't. Um, it looks good in the, good good in the jacket, but for some reason, <laughs> everyone else has just all this energy, and then he just can't bring it. But um, then it's kind of—I mean, Diane Lane was only like a baby when she made that; she was eighteen. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah. she's just all—maybe it's because she's all charisma, and you're just looking at her going. My God, it's like, so how old were you when you made the fabulous stains? Um, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, you realize that she was a baby. Um, and yeah, so maybe that's kind of why that I'm just so focused on Al, um, Alan Ayn in this movie because she just takes all the charisma oxygen away from everyone. You just look looking at her, except for Willem Dafoe, but that's because he's Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah. <laughs> God, this cast. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one of his early roles. I think was that. Uh... I think it was. It must have been because I know he was in Loveless with Bigelow in 1981, and then I think this might have been one of his first bigger roles after that. I could be wrong. Right. Yeah, he really does look like um... he was born out of an egg. Like just, <laughs> just <laughs> it was never a baby. He just was formed into Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. I. I'm just trying to think of whether he had any big roles before that, but oh yeah, you actually did mention the Loveless, didn't you? So yeah, um, yeah. and then I guess uh, was it was was to live and die in LA before Streets of Fire? Or... It might have been. I think oh, it was a little bit after. Oh, was it right? Okay. Yeah, right. I think so. But um, no, he looks so young. Like Willem Dafoe yeah. was never that young, um, and yet he again is just something about his well he's always had that face but 
just something how he can just command the screen really, really quickly, even his silhouette, maybe because I know it's him. Um, he has just and this you, way of, uh, yeah, of just commanding and everything his, he's his, in. And even his lycra dungarees as well. <laughs> oh my God. They're, so the lovely. wardrobe yeah. in this movie is just on point. I yeah, love, yeah. yeah. I love even um, Amy at Madigan's jacket. Um, and she only ever, when she's getting ready, she just oh, yes, buttons yeah. up the collar. That's it. It's just, um, yeah. it's just absolutely perfect in the way, um, in the way she, way she does it. It's just, yeah, everything about every outfit, every kind of thing is just so perfectly done. The sets, um, yeah, the costumes, the sets, the music, the lighting, everything kind of works about this movie when you're watching it, which is why it goes so quickly because you just, on this kind of visual feast ride and it's got so much texture to it that you just kind of get lost in it and then time you get to the final um i guess song you're like oh crap we're already here <laughs> yeah yes exactly um yeah shout out to uh Amy Madigan because uh she's really good in this film and uh she's uh she's been in one of my favorites which is uncle buck and, uh, i have not seen uh, that since i was a i need to rewatch that actually because that was <laughs> as a kid one of my favorite cues was uncle buck uh, I basically, I, I once it was on TV like a, uh, a couple of years ago, and I was like, uh, I was saying to my wife, Liz, Liz, it's Uncle Buck, and she just did not get it at all. She was like, "What, you know?" But um, but like, that's there. there. There's a scene where um, she ends up um having to watch over the the kids um, uh, while um while John Candy's character has to like leave mm. leave the house to to find the old daughter and. Uh, and it's just funny the way that um, uh, Macaulay Culkin's trying to, uh, he's, he's asking her for her ID and, you know, you can tell she's sort of like grinning through her teeth, like, <laughs> like she would like she's trying to be as polite as possible to this child. And it's just, uh, it's just, yeah, she's, I mean, it's, it's a very small role, but um, she's hilarious in it. No, yeah, she's really, really great. Because I um, was recently watching uh, The Dark Half with um and she plays sort of the uh timothy hatton's wife and she's really good like she kind of brings again the emotional depth of what is my husband doing what the hell is going on i don't understand any of this yet i think i have to trust you but i'm not sure if i want to and now i have twin babies and i don't know what to do <laughs> so yeah she, she's actually really good in that that movie as well right. um but no emmy madigan's great and she's so great i mean she's trying to get a drink off bill paxton um it's just he's oh, just yes, being yeah, so yeah. dismissive killing a babe and then she just like yeah. punches him and then goes over and gets another drink i'm like yes <laughs> yes yeah yeah yes and bill paxton's brilliant as well uh, he really as is he always is yeah yes. yeah yeah we um we were talking so yeah the, the most recent episode <clears throat> um we would basically the the film that was in our discussion was the hard way four but we were talking about um sort of the as i said we we're talking about the, our favorite modern westerns and mm. he is in um he's in tombstone right yes he oh yes he is yeah yeah yes. yeah so yeah I, th I think he's and he's great in that as well he, um, he really get no tombstone is one of those movies i think i'm always every time i watch i'm like i'm not gonna like this as much am i no i i still enjoy it yeah yeah i think it's it's underrated uh well i don't know uh, it feels like it's one of those films that for a lot of people it's their favorite film but it still doesn't feel as popular as it should be i think yeah. 
No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, it, yeah, a lot of, it's a lot of people's favorite movies. It's the Western they grew up on. So if you talk yeah. to a lot of people, it's not, um, you know, the classic Westerns or even the spaghetti Westerns, it's Tombstone. Um, yeah. But then it doesn't feel like it's as probably a classic. Yeah, you're right. It's got a weird kind of thing of it's not cult. It's not a classic, but yet it's a yeah. lot of people's favorite movies. Pause in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In between. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, those mustaches are just so goddamn impressive. <laughs> and I love every single one of them. Um, yeah. Especially with that. He's cast is <laughs> and yeah, he stands yeah, yeah. out <laughs> yeah and, and bill paxton i mean what what else i mean um the last supper he's he's incredible in that uh he he's a sort of a have you seen the last supper no i haven't oh so the last supper is uh it's sort of a like mid mid 90s film i think it was like one of cameron diaz's like early earlier roles okay um and um it's about a a bunch of 30 somethings that um they're having a they're having a dinner party and bill paxton some i, I can't believe it's been a while since i've seen it but bill paxton appears at the door <clears throat> i think he's sort of lost or something like that mm. maybe his car's broken down and um they they invite him for dinner and what they find out is that he's this um he's sort of neo-nazi uh and um so what they end up doing is they end up murdering him at the dinner table and what it basically it's sort of episodic so they they have they start going um they start kind of having these dinner parties but inviting these controversial figures as their dinner dinner guest and um and they've got like a uh they've got like a, a bottle of poison what they want to sort of point so they sort of debate, debate whether they should kill the person they've invited a very um, invitation i love it yeah yeah so um yeah I, I, um it's, it's been a while since i've seen that though mm. um but I'd, I'd recommend it's an interesting watch no it looks fascinating i mean the casting is amazing i mean charles durning annabelle gish the bill paxton ron perlman uh, yeah the, the i'm yeah i'm watching this this looks um <laughs> That looks absolutely amazing. I love. Yeah, um, Ron Perlman's brilliant in it as well. He does yeah. his usual smoking cigar sort of, uh, you know, uh, smirk on his face. Uh, you know, it's uh, he, he's 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 basically playing Ron Perlman. But, yeah. <laughs> I love it when Ron Perlman plays Ron Perlman. I mean, that's yeah, probably why exactly. I do love the Hellboy movies as much as I do. Um, yeah, yeah, it's no, I love it when. He's such a, yeah, Bill Paxton is one of those actors who is so jovial on screen, but then when you really watch it, you realise he does he does have range and he can play dark. I mean, you just watch Near Dark bring up Catherine Bigelow again. And yes. um, then you watch something like Frailty, which he directed, and that's kind of about yeah. what if your dad was a serial killer kind of movie. Yeah. And he's really good in that. And, and then if he's playing so... He kind of, I think people have a, this idea of him as this, oh, he's the, he's, he's Bill Paxton. He's awesome. But he's, you know, always plays the happy go lucky guy. I'm like, no, <laughs> he could go. I mean, that scene in Near Dark when he's just reveling and just killing everyone bloodily. It's one of the most amazing scenes ever. Cause just like going, holy Christ, Bill Paxton. <laughs> yeah. Going, yeah. Going to Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's just a standout, right? I mean, True Lies is uh, is just the sleazy uh, sort of used car salesman, um, which uh, 
I've sort of written down as a note to describe someone else that we'll describe uh, later. But um, uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, also, um, but he's he's great. He's great at those sort of nuanced performance as well in you know Simple Plan. He's uh, yeah. he kind of you can show that he can really like lead a film. Yeah, and that's kind of why when you notice him at the bar, I mean, he's only just the barman. He's only in like three scenes and like one or yeah. two of them aren't even made or two and one of them isn't even major but he kind of takes over that scene and that scene between him and Amy Madigan is just this great little crystallization of just two kind of hungry actors really going for it and just the way he calls her babe I just love it yeah. it's just so yeah. dismissive and so kind of and she gets she's getting angrier and angrier and it's kind of one of the best scenes in the movie and it only re only really serves is just to introduce Amy Madigan. It's not even like a major plot point, but you just kind of, that scene always sticks out because you're like going, oh, this, yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, he, he, yeah, he, I mean, as you know, he really knows how to deliver his lines and yeah, uh, yeah one of the best. Yes. Uh, moving, I guess, back into the music. Are you a big Jim Steinman guy, or is it just more this? Because <coughs> this is a very just, it's more it's more of the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't uh, spend my time sort of uh, listening, listening to Meatloaf. To, <laughs> yeah, listening to Meatloaf, but um, but I I think it's but as I said, it's uh, it fits though, you know, and um, for this film, I've got time for it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I don't have those sort of big. Uh, uh rock i guess what do you call that rock opera rock opera it, yeah yeah he has uh, a very specific style and i think he only he only wrote like two or three songs but those are the ones like i, I admit i like meatloaf i like those big op op rock operatic kind of songs that oh, cool. he that he does um so i guess that sort of was just me i'm like oh this song sounds like this song's something like meatloaf would sing no because jim, jim steinman wrote it that's exactly why yes. um yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah. it does. And it kind of, it's almost, ah, Jim Stam is such a weird um, songwriter because his songs are always a bit too big. And I think they're a bit too big for the movie, but, but because you've got the fact got the stage and those guys, and then you get the other band on the end for what it means to be young. It's kind of, it actually suits it in a weird way <laughs> when it actually everything in this movie is like, this shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> no, I, th I think the, because you, I guess you can call those like they're quite like they're power ballads they're like yes. power rock and you know yeah. and um I, th I think that fits the the big the the sort of grandiose um uh you know images that we're seeing in in this big kind of big city with this big action you know you, you it's got to go big so um you know I, I think it fits perfectly yeah, it, it actually really does. Um, and I guess because Diane Lane just can capture the camera that it does kind of work. But um, yeah, I always, always find it weird people who love the song, like, are you a Steinman fan or not? And usually the thing <laughs> I've, what I've heard is that they're not, but they like the music in that. I'm like going, huh. That's fascinating. No, I just, yeah. no, I just like seeing a big shotgun shooting people. That's all <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> This has a lot of big shotguns <laughs> shooting people. Um, yeah, yeah. And yes, uh, and yeah, this movie goes over the top in so many ways. I mean, the fact when they are having the final fight and then the hammers come out, I'm like, of course it does. This oh, just yeah. feels right. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Do you, so do you have a favourite Meatloaf album? Um, oh, probably the Back to Hell, that, the 
second uh bad out of hell too because that's the right. one that came out when i was a sort of a teenager and that's the one i um listened to the most i think um and then went back and have you got a favorite song have you, have you got a fav- oh. favorite song for that album um oh yeah it's um oh god now i kind of think of it i'll do anything for love i for some reason that song is so oh, goddamn go. ridiculous um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know what it is there's a ridiculousness to that song that when i'm just playing it i'm just like this song is just too much, but I'll 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 happily sing along with it. There's something about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Like during my childhood, that was like a big song. It was like number one for quite a while. Yeah, uh, there was that. There was that. The Beauty and the Beast video. video where... it's just... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. No, I don't know what it is about the power ballad, but I've always had a fondness for it. Even as like a kid, like you'd like a ten year old, not. It, just coming into my room, you just hear like this weird power ballad um, rocking and you're like going, that is a very weird 10 year old. I'm just like, I don't know. I just like the dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Luckily I do listen to other music. So I'm not just the power ballad, but <laughs> yes. Well, Fortunately, you know, Meatloaf there's, there's is nothing kind of... <laughs> wrong with that. Though. There's nothing wrong with that. Meatloaf yeah. is right next to the Pixies and the Ramones. So. Oh, just... nice. Nice. Great. 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 Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. So going, yeah, so I guess with um, the uh, with Green Room, I guess uh, the Ramones sort of uh, is that sort of st- style, and then Pixies was, I guess it's not really Strange Days' era. I guess no, it's, it's a earlier, little bit before, a little bit yeah, before. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I think yeah. Strange Days is much more kind of well, PJ Harvey and NWA. Yeah. I'm thinking of that band wrong. Yeah. It's much more. Um, and I fortunately did not really get into PJ Harvey until well after she was, uh, well, well, well after the nineties, it was just like, oh, I miss PJ Harvey. Damn. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Yeah, but no, both these movies have um, really, really strong soundtracks um, and yeah. they both infuse the music into what they're doing. Um, yeah. Which is kind of why I love this, this double so much. Um, let, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, Lindsay if I can um because apparently what I've read is that um Walter Hill wanted to make this it wants to sort of continue the story and make it a series of films so mm. let's say if someone wanted if someone wanted to revitalize this film and sort of make further films for it do you think it would work now in a, in a modern way or not mm. Yes and no. I think they'd have to turn it into much more of an action, much more action than yeah. musical, maybe. Um, yeah. Which I think you'd lose a lot of what makes Streets of Fire special. Um, I think the music would come secondary and the action would come first. Um, and that's what I think you'd have to do. I think you could do it, but I don't think the music would be as central um, to the movie as, say, um, it is in this movie, which I think is kind of losing something. You would lose something with it. It would be a, it would be a completely yeah. different beast. Yeah, it's sort of like you know when they because they, every now and then you hear them trying to reboot the crow. And yeah, it's, it, that feels like a very lightning in a bottle type of film. Really, um, yeah. Because because uh, as we'll get to, you know, Strange Days. I think it's sort of made in a similar time, uh, around the same time as mm. uh, Strange Days. And, um, you know, that sort of music, that sort of look, it, it's all sort of, um, you know, it, it, it's all 
it's perfect for the time that it was released but sort of try and sort of uh, remake it I think um it, it just you you feel like you're just setting yourself up to fail and um, I'm just wondering whether do you think Streets of Fire would sort of work but yeah you're right so the music is is um you know as as we, we both said at the beginning of this discussion mm. that um you know the music is what makes that makes the film so if you're going to sort of change the style of the music it's not really going to be the same thing yes no and yeah and music feels so much low-key at the moment which is not a bad thing because i think there's still a lot of amazing music coming out but it feels a much more kind of lower key and more relaxed than yeah. it ever was back in the mid 80s because new wave is um coming off punk so it's not exactly that relaxing it's got a rhythm and a propulsion to it and modern music feels very very cruisy and very very relaxed um and i don't know how that would quite fit in to something like a streets of fire remake and yeah they keep saying they're going to remake the crow and i'm like but the crow is like the most 1994 movie ever made how are you <laughs> yeah that's right yeah it was i mean yeah the, the cure the cure makeup and, the cure makeup uh, and everything about it it's so 1994 this is i don't <laughs> so how do you translate that into today i mean yeah, yeah you're gonna yeah, have to yeah. explain what the cure is or do you go not go all but it has to be all black. It has to be it the has most to be. Yeah, thing yeah. you've ever seen. That is the yeah, crow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't quite know how they would do that and how it would translate. It would be, again, a different beast. Um, yeah. That isn't exactly what I think it's meant to be, which not is always a bad thing. I think you can get in different interpretations and everything like that going. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, I can't uh, see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, as I said, it's, it's. I mean, it's sort of how I feel about Ghostbusters as well. It's the, you know that was sort of like the heyday of, um, of of Saturday Night Live and this sort of these group of comedians and you know, um, so so trying to reboot it, um, just you know, you 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 you're really sort of it's a really big ask for for the viewer, but yeah. also you know for the filmmakers as well uh, yeah and Ghostbusters feels like an accident like that kind of yeah, shows that absolutely if, yeah, yeah if it was just 100%. two parts to the other side it would have been a disaster and wouldn't have worked um because yeah. Bill Murray I mean Bill Murray's always great but he showed up everything they managed to cut down Dan Aykroyd's script to the right level everything kind of just fitted together and I think yeah that movie feels like an amazing accident and they keep trying to recreate it and it's kind of weird. I think I can't remember where I read it, but they sort of keep saying um, movies that were meant to be fun and goofy and light um, and kind of just sort of your popcorn thing are now held in such reverence that when they do try to remake it, it's not, doesn't have that same sense of fun because you have to kind of um, show reverence to the thing, if that makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. the same is with The Crow and maybe with it. Well, Streets of Fire is much more of a cult I would say more of a cult movie, but yeah. it's, um, you have to show again, but if you're remaking a cult movie, you have to show reverence to the thing because you kind of have to, but then if, cause if you don't, you don't show enough reverence, but if you do, you show too much reverence. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a losing battle sometimes because you're trying to deal with nostalgia of things that never had nostalgia when they were first made. It's, yeah. um, and I think streets of fire would be very similar to that because it was, a very specific time and place. They decide to get Jim, Jim Simon to write some music. 
Walter Hill was on a very specific kick. Um, like he wanted to kind of carry on and build up what he did with the Warriors. Um, and again, do something completely different. And so, yeah, if I'm going into a Streets of Fire remake, I'm going to expect certain things. It's going back to No Time to Die. It's exactly like that, but that worked for me because he did everything and he did give me this legacy moment, but it worked because it's the final Daniel Craig. So I don't know, there's there's a lot of things in play that have to work before for something like that to actually pull it off. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. I, th- I think, um, yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just interesting, the fact that um, you'd, you'd think that... Um, everything gets rebooted now that you you think that some that someone sort of had you know someone who owns that ip um you know thinks well you know maybe we should sort of revitalize this and you know because uh, as we've said that imagery is iconic so who wouldn't want to sort of recreate that but um but i think the music is part and parcel of it and um uh you know i mean maybe we should They'll they'll get um, meat meatloaf straight back on the phone. <laughs> and, uh, Look, could you do a seance? Bring back Jim Steinman. We actually really need him for <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but yeah, I th- I think um, uh, yeah it was yeah I, th- I think yeah it's, you you can't really it would be int- it'd be an interesting experiment to see if uh, if they tried to recreate it and whether they would get new current artists to to uh do do the same thing but um yeah because if you listen to the album it's a weird mishmash of music i mean you have rockabilly rockabilly you have rock opera you have general pop you have um doo-wop doo-wop um you have all this kind of blend of kind of thing and it does work as a a piece because as as you go through the movie every kind of area or different part of the whatever part of chicago you're meant to be in it's a different style of music. So you have, I mean, I love when they're walking down the street after they, before they get onto the bus with the doo-wop band. And it's, again, it's a much more mellow pop kind of thing, but again, it kind of, again, just suits the part you're in because they're just literally walking down the street trying to get away. Um, And then you, but it's always a reminder that Alan M is a superstar. So you see her video and then you see that uh, girl recognize her. And then so she goes up. So there's this constant reminder of um, Ellen M is bigger than Tom Cody ever will be. And she, that for some reason, she's always going to be um, unattainable, even yeah. though they do have the nice kiss in the rain. And she says, yeah. oh, I'm always going to love you. But she's now something else. She's not that photo that he has, um, yeah. which is a nice little touch. Yeah, that's a, that's a very um, film noir type of trope, isn't it? These yeah, it really of, uh, is, yeah. Jilted lovers that, are, you know, that won't be able to sort of live happily ever after. Yeah, it did strike me as noir a little bit. I mean, I always thought this, oh, this is Walter Hill making a Western, um, another Western, but it's actually as film, it's maybe a touch more film noir as well. It's, it's a fascinating yeah. blend of genres going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even sort of like the, even, um, Michael Perry, he has this sort of accent that's, um, I can't, I don't even know what, what, uh, what sort of classic actor you would sort of compare it to, but 
that you know talks like that and you know <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, has that sort of tough guy accent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does it. He does it all the time. No, he. Um, I don't even know what that accent is. Actually, I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't even pick it. It's his own. Yeah, yeah. it's his own weird little um, weird thing. Um, anything else you want to say about uh, Nicole? Strange Days. Uh, no, uh, Streets of Fire. Before we move on to Strange Days. Yeah. Or I mean, as a, as I said, um, it's just it's very much it, it has so much sort of iconic imagery and. Um, yeah, that that soundtrack is the thing that sort of uh, propels it, mm. and um, and yeah, it's a, you know, a great film. It re, you know, it's a film that sort of just flies by. It's a very it's a very quick ninety minutes. It really is. It's just an easy movie to get lost in. I mean, you yeah. just get in, you're in it, you're happy, and then it ends up like, oh, movie's ended already. Oh, it's been ninety minutes. Wow. So yeah, it yeah. really time just really flies by with um with it, and it's gorgeous to look at. It's so yeah it's just this kind of pulping energy of a movie um and i love it because it feels so artificial and so candy corn but it's so good um and with that we are going to be going on to a i don't know where to begin with um strange days we might as well begin with the trailers again the curtains are opening what are you going to show what is your first movie going to show for strange days so the first trailer will be um uh, is another 1995 film uh, which is released, uh, which is the same year that Strange Days was released, and it's La Haine. C'est l'histoire d'un homme qui tombe d'un immeuble de 50 étages. Le mec, au fur et à mesure de sa chute, il se répète sans cesse pour se rassurer. Jusqu'ici, tout va bien. Jusqu'ici, tout va bien. Jusqu'ici, tout va bien. Mais l'important, c'est pas la chute. C'est l'atterrissage. Ah, oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I so I, it's L A H A I N E. So hopefully it did not do want to offend your French listeners. So, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm sorry. I I may have butchered. Uh, saying the the title of the film correctly, but um, uh, what I feel with this film is that there is Shafi Malik before watching the end, and there is Shafi Malik after watching the end. Hmm. Because uh, and you know, <laughs> I felt very cringe when we talk about myself in the third person, but um, it 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 is one of my favorite films of mm. of, of of all time and um it was a film that i used to sort of obsessively watch when i was around about um about 14 15 um and uh so yeah regarding sort of how it's in sync with strange days it was released in the same year it's 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 set in the throes of a of a city it's got a sort of sense of very distinct sense of place so it's mm. set in paris the in it the, in this in the inner city of paris um you know it deals with themes of police brutality and about race um yeah i mean th this film you know I, I guess if what what i've um said to a, a couple of people before is that if you watch that film it feels like going to a film school there's just everything about regarding the writing that the characters their sort of arc mm. each characters each those three characters their their arc from 
beginning to end um but also just like how, how many sort of shots i mean it's, it's shot in black black and white yeah. it's um you know there are there are so many sort of iconic uh like shots like the the, the close-up of um of vince vincent's face when um when the 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 bouncer's getting shot in the in in the in the back in the background it's a um it's just a stunning film and um if you have if if any of the listeners haven't seen that film i'd highly recommend that because it's it's a it's a shock to the system but it's entertaining the journey is entertaining getting there and it's interesting we um so i um last week i hosted a a film festival at a local art center mm. and um uh, it's a human rights film festival and um one of the films we um we screened was blind spotting and it made oh, me think yeah. about um it made me think about lahane Le- and the fact that it's um it balances uh these different tones because there is a lot of comedy in lane mm. as, as with blind spotting um and when the film ended I, you know, I was having so much fun watching it, uh, watching it again. And then when the film ended, I was sort of going up to, you know, the audience um, members saying, what did you think? They go, yeah, it was, I said, it was, it was really, it was really fun. And they were like, well, uh, I wouldn't really call it fun. Because <laughs> I found it really sort of, it was really sort of t- tough to watch. I was yeah. like, oh yeah. Yeah. But, but um, say, same with Lane, it sort of, you know, it bounces all these tones. And I think it, it's, it struck a, uh, a, a note with me be, being that age how those three friends talk to each other kind of just re- reminded me of the banter of how I would talk to my friends mm. and um, very sort of schoolboy sense of humor and um, uh, yeah I, th- I think I, I think it's just a perfect film. No it's an amazing film I haven't seen it in years and I love that you chose this because yeah Strange Days is all about um, a city in unrest and yeah. The fact and most people go, oh, yes, because of the LA riots, which we will get into because it's just so tied. But at the same time, other cities were like this justifiable anger that keeps coming up. And you see it in La Haine. Sorry, I keep, I've called it La Haine for like years, which I keep forgetting. <laughs> same as me as well. I've French, been calling you, it La you can't, you can't pronounce, you can't say the H. Like, it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, France. I, I realize this. I did take a year of, of French and failed badly. So this is probably why. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah but it is I just remember the anger of it and yeah I'd love to go back and visit it because I think I'd probably get more out of it than watching this movie which I thought oh it's very violent and very angry but um I love the fact they come both come out in 95 the sensibilities are the same um and it's this this kind of yeah it's it's such a great trailer to show and it's a really amazing movie I mean this is kind of one of those raw movies that really catches the time and place um really well um oh man it's like that film I mean I'm I'm a big hip-hop fan and that film that was uh, I watched that for the first time while I was sort of getting discovering all these hip-hop records so I so you know France kind of had its own kind of the hip-hop industry that that was pretty much like the mainstream music at that time as well. Mm, it um, did. So yeah. th- that that film is like hip hop through and through. Uh, from the kind of you see like like Cuts Killer do a like routine as the and as he does the routine, the camera sort of um, sort of like a drone shot. Mm. But even though obviously it won't be, it won't, wouldn't be a drone that kind of flies through the city. Um, 
uh, sorry, five super sort of projects, and uh, and then you know there's some sort of break dancing um, scenes, and um, yeah, there, there's sort of lots of hip hop in the soundtrack, and it, it's sort of um, you can tell it's it's very much influenced by um, Do the Right Thing. Very much so, yeah. Have you ever seen? Um, it came out a couple of years ago. Um, Les Miserables. It's the 19, 2019 Paris movie. It's it's more about I think um, from the police officer's point of view during uh, Paris riots. Um, but it's got a very kind of similar kind of theme. Again, a lot of hip hop, a lot of you um, sort of corruption. Kind of the whole can you hear the people sing? Because from the title. Um, but yeah, it's um, very very different. But it's kind of got that same kind of Paris street hip hop um, kind of. It's a really amazing um movie very hard to watch sometimes but yeah really really great i have not i have not heard of that so i will definitely check that out yeah um it, uh, I, wonder, I wonder what's going to come up though when i sort of google it i'm sure yeah you gotta I'm be careful because sure right. yeah because it is the very it's the exact same uh title as lemons so <laughs> you've got to just go yeah, exactly, i know i want yeah. the 2019 drama crime drama not the not the um the singing people <laughs> <laughs> right 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 okay yeah, oh, definitely. It, yeah. This, yeah. This, this sounds uh, completely up my alley. So yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you. That's a yeah. recommendation. No worries. Um, yeah, it's it's a very, very, very good movie. Kind of feels like it's definitely got Lane <coughs> in mind and trying to and also trying to update it as well um, and taking in a whole bunch of French history, complicated French history. Um, a lot of it kind of went a bit over my head because I don't know enough about it. But yeah, no, Lane is a perfect uh, trailer. Um, Actually, yeah, no, my first trailer, I am going to go with uh, Michael Powell's Peeping Tom. Look out. Look out. Look out. Take care. You are being watched. We repeat, take care. For you are now alone with a killer. We warn you, don't let him see the fear in your eyes. For this is what he seeks. And this is why he kills. Where are you? Look out for Carl Byrne as the peeping Tom. Fear him, but pity him also. Uh, from 1960, which has kind of been in my head lately because I just watched Last Night in Soho and the screening I went to showed this yeah. as a trailer. So for some reason, it's just working in my head. But what I love about Strange Days is that it's about how you view not only the past, but the present and kind of memory, nostalgia and how things would never were, but how you relate to um, to people. And which kind of made me think of Peeping Tom because that is about a man who doesn't know how to relate to anyone except through a camera when he's killing people. Um, and there's one particular scene, very messed up. I forgot how messed up it was whenever you watched it. I went, oh, that scene's a lot more messed up than I remember in Strange Days when there's a murder that, you're watching and also unfortunately the victim is watching and it is it's kind of ties into the whole thing of how you see the world and how you interact with the world and whether it is with the online whether it is via whether it is through a camera or whether it is through whatever squid thing um i can't remember exactly what it's called squid strange, yeah, yeah. yeah squid is yeah. in strange days yeah. it all kind of ties together no matter what kind of time period there's always this kind of considered other um just how you distance yourself from the real world um and that's kind of what always peeping tom 
is for me. Um, but yeah, so I kept thinking of, yeah, again, it's always, it was already running through my mind anyway, but yeah, Peeping Tom is going to be my first trailer and that's why I chose it as a trailer. And it, it sort of evokes the same feelings um, mm. while watching Strange Days. You're kind of, you know, the the way that Strange Days is shot where you're seeing through the eyes of someone else, but mm. they're doing these really ab abhorrent things and you feel sort of icky while yeah. watching it. That's sort of how you feel what, watching. Uh, so I, I mean, I haven't seen Peeping Tong in, in a while, mm. um, but I, that's sort of how I felt. I remember feeling while watching that. I was like, I don't you like you sort of look around as if you're like you know I, I'm I shouldn't be I shouldn't be caught watching this or whatever because it's uh it feels um creepy and icky I guess it really does which is probably why people reacted to it so violently when it came out um because yeah. you do feel really icky because you're very much in his point of view of especially when he's murdering someone and it does put you in a position of oh god should I even be watching this this feels wrong this feels illicit and strange days does actually capture that really well especially when you're in someone else's watching it from someone's point of view and going oh god should i even be watching this yeah. um and so yeah i think the both movies capture it really well and it, of course it's michael powell so the color palette is absolutely gorgeous oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i don't know michael powell it feels like michael powell invented um and um jack cardiff and press burger invented color i know that's not true but it does yep. feel like they invented color <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a stunning yeah yeah it's a very gorgeous looking film mm. um what is your second trailer for strange um, days yeah so my second trailer is 1999's being john malkovich there's a tiny door in my office, Maxine, and it takes you inside John Malkovich. There's no such thing as a hole into somebody's brain. Yes, there is. You see the world through John Malkovich's eyes, <laughs> and then after about 15 minutes... That's not me. I didn't say that. You're spit out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey turnpike. It was amazing. Where the hell are we? We're Malkovich's subconscious. Do you think that it's kind of weird that John Malkovich has a portal? I mean, do you think that it might have some sort of significance? What is going on? Huh? I discovered that portal. It's my head! Um, it's, it's sort of, it's odd. <clears throat> I remember watching Strange Days and the whole, it basically fetishizes the idea of looking through someone else's eyes and being them and um which i found sort of weird like that sort of concept like why would you want to do that <clears throat> you know um but then, yeah like, the I movie wigged me out yeah when i first yeah, saw yeah. it because i was a teenager we went and saw it and i just remember looking at this going why would you want to do that to john malkovich i don't understand <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't understand but, this and movie yeah and it's sort of like you know in like in strange days they sort of treat it like it's a drug you know that yes. it, they they mm. they all sort of fight to to get it to be john Bagfitch and uh 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 it's fascinating it's so it's fascinating and you you know it's shot very similar um uh, uh to the film mm. and um yeah i mean it's just a great it's, it's just a very it's a great film uh and um yeah it, it did when i was watching 
being on John Malkovich uh, like back in 1999, it did remind me of, uh, of, of strange days that sort of the, um, that people would um, go out of their way to, to kind of um, have this sensation of, of walking around someone's skin yes. and someone else's skin. Yes. To the point where they try and take the poor man over and he, yeah, it's, yes. it's um, absolutely, it's, it's an amazing movie. I've gone back and watched it and appreciate it more, but I do have the sense. I remember the sense of, I don't know what this is and I'm not sure I like it. What, what are you doing? <laughs> kind of being yeah. a young teenager, not quite understanding the movie. Um, but no, it, it's an amazing. And yeah, the fact that they treat it like a drug is yeah. the kind of thing that struck me about um, watching this uh, viewing of Strange Days is yeah. that um, playback is, is such a drug um, and it can really change your um, point of view. Um, it's actually kind of amazing. Like you look at movies that are about the internet in the 90s and they totally get it wrong and then you watch things like strange days or being john malkovich over my next trailer and you're like oh no this is actually what the these are the movies that are about the internet they kind of tap into that kind yeah. of thing that we all now do on a daily basis it's kind of fascinating um but no i love that movie and i love that that trailer um yeah my final trailer i'm speaking of the crow but i'm gonna go for alex Porras's dark city from 1998 Where's our lucky winner? Upstairs, sir. Room uh, 614. Jay Murdoch. You are confused, aren't you? Frightened. What the hell is going on here? Are you going to accuse me of something? Wait, you have the wrong man. I didn't kill anyone. Maybe murder. Who's murder? These are all lies. Why can't I remember anything? What have you done to me? You have lost your memory. There was an experiment. Something went wrong. Your memory was erased. Monster Master. Monster Master. Now! Everything you need to know, all the answers are in this syringe. I need you to inject yourself. It's the only way to make you understand. How do you know all this? Um, talk about changing roles and um, and living other lives. Um, yeah, this movie's great. It's um, kind of feel like it doesn't get talked about as much because it does. It feels like a really great movie. It's very neon noir, like it oozes it. But I love how. Yeah these characters you get to know then suddenly change and you're not entirely sure why. And you're just going through this very strange city, um, trying to figure out exactly what's happening. Um, no, I just, I've always loved the tone of, of this movie. And um, yeah, so that is my second trailer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got quite a, a similar like visual palette hmm. to, uh, well, I mean, to like, a lot of the films that we've been talking about, tonight that sort mm. of low light and um um but yeah just like <laughs> the, the films that we've been talking about there's a there's a great sense of place right and you know you're you're you as as um street Sophia says it's another place another time yes yeah, it really is um and it just kind of it's very dreamlike like all these other movies you could kind of say um are very dreamlike and yeah. and even of course strange shows Definitely. So um, no, it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous trailer. It's um, again, amazing cast. Like all both these movies we're going to talk about. It's um, yeah. So that is my trailer. And um, with that, we are going to be going in to the incredible Catherine Bigelow Strange Days, also written by James Cameron, which I always forget. I am your main connection to the switchboard of the soul. I'm the magic man. 
But it's got something to do with the water. Sooner or later, it washes up on your beach. Fan mail from some flounder. the dark end of the street. How do you like it now? He records it all. Everything. And gives it to you. Why me? There's more to this whole thing than you think. Give us the tape right now! You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes. Do you know what this tape could do if it got out? I see the world opening up and swallowing us all. I'm not entirely sure where in their marriage or their divorce this was um, this was done, but yeah, this is a penned by um, James Cameron. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're similar age to me. So you remember the year 2000 or going into the year 2000 and remembering essentially Y2K. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. It was a thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was a thing. Buster Rhymes made a whole album out, out of it. And he did. Made himself, <laughs> made himself look a bit silly. <laughs> People believe the world was going to end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. The, they actually, um, if you're in, if you lived in Britain, um, Busey actually played that at, um, out on New Year's Eve. Or oh, no, did. no, I don't think it's, it's New Year's Eve. It's probably a couple of days before New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, uh, but they yeah, played it just uh, on that 1999, you know, New, New Year's Eve around that time anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah it was yeah that going into uh 2000 it was i don't know it, it felt for me it just felt like a bit of an anti-climax going into 2000 it was like oh right it's just the same the world looks exactly the same it really did um because even i was just wondering are the lights gonna turn off because i remember being in my hometown um you're wondering if the lights were gonna turn off it didn't um and then i do remember finally making my way home um and then my dad waking me up only a couple of hours later going you must watch the sunrise i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> right. dad i realize you're being very yeah. romantic about the new century but i'm not <laughs> getting up to watch the sunrise i've only just got to bed like two hours before <laughs> leave me alone yeah. um it's he did and apparently he enjoyed it um yeah the world looked exactly the same and i love how strange days is kind of the metaphor for this yeah. um things look exactly the same um <laughs> I actually yeah I watched this after well after 2000 so this kind of all oh, right okay yeah all so right. it was kind of like a oh yeah she got it pretty bang on actually that kind of feeling of no the world is going to end and going to end yeah, yeah. and um it's kind of like almost at the end of the world movie but well, no, it actually ends a lot more optimistically to the point where now I watch yeah. this and go, oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah. But I kind of like the corny ending. Um, I think it kind of gives hope, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, when did you first see Strange, Strange Days? I actually, I think I watched it um, on, I know it was basically on the, VHS release mm. of you know so I, I was too young to watch it in the cinema but mm. I ended up you know probably uh because yeah I think I watched it uh, far too young anyway <laughs> um so yeah I must have I must have watched it about kind of 1997 about a couple of years after oh, it was wow, released. Yeah. Um, um but you know <clears throat> it's uh it's very much like like Streets of Fire it's very much of its time in its aesthetics and, and it's uh it's um 
you know, it, as you said, you know, The Crow is, can be more 1994. I don't, I think this film does feel very 1995, but really in a good, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, so, so let me ask you a question. Were you, uh, did you have, did you, did you used to sort of watch MTV around that time? Or? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, so like this. Yeah. Because I think, regard so those kids that are listening to this, um, yeah, MTV we used to be music. a yeah they they used to yeah that's what the M stat stood for music mm. television mm. and it was I mean but you know I guess I'm I'm not American so I can't really talk on behalf of America but for my understand for my feeling MTV sort of felt like a culture more than just a t- TV show oh absolutely sorry 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 that more than a TV channel and, yeah um and I think this film. Uh, sort of encapsulates the MTV culture. I, uh, I feel like, anyway. I think you're right. Like, because what we we got the British version of, which is still MTV, but I think um, just because I know, well, in New Zealand, I still remember getting the third channel. Um, and I do know one of the things is they're going to show start showing um, MTV, but I think it was what the British were showing as MTV as well. I don't know. So it wasn't quite like a whole channel you just to watch, but it was like, oh, here's like three hours of what MTV's doing. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So you'd kind of sit down. It was either really late at night or they'd have like three hours when they didn't have anything else to show. So they'd start showing just constant music videos. And me as a teenager was just like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. Um <laughs> And yeah. plus it was MTV. So they were sort of showing everything that was popular at the time. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it is much more of a, um, much more of a culture than yeah. an actual kind of thing. It turned into a, just a TV station. Um, yeah, yeah. But it kind yeah. of captured music and what was going on at the time. Like they'd play, oh, man, yeah. they'd play everything from whatever class, <coughs> classic. Cause I remember when we used to play like this song, like 57 times back in the eighties or, um, dire Straits, and then you'd see NWA, you'd see Madonna, you'd see everything poppy um, that was going on. But then they'd show you these other thing music that was going on that wasn't necessarily being played on the radio station. Like I was credibly sheltered in mainstream, so I wasn't exactly looking for like um, the you know outside kind of music. But that was kind of the way it got filtered in, and then I that's kind of how I knew about it. Um, right. So it was kind of, yeah, it was a, it's fascinating. And I think you're right because like Streets of Fire, Strange Days is trying to capture that MTV kind of feeling. So it's capturing everything. It's not just oh, one element. It's, she's filtering, which I think is fascinating about Catherine Bigelow. She's kind of filtering into all these things. She's never wants to show it realistically, but you can tell it's definitely influencing her. Um, and yeah, you can tell in this, this uh, movie, whether it was, was the original script or just Catherine Bigelow is just living in LA in the mid nineties going, what the hell is happening with the world? And it's all on screen, um, everything about it. That's why this movie is kind of an assault to the senses because you're just literally not only taking in what they're seeing in the squid, you're seeing everything else that's happening. Oh, and um, yeah. it's, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's so yeah. Going regarding sort of the squids, mm. it's it's you know we we were talking about it sort of being John Malkovich and even sort of peeping Tom. It feel if it feels odd when you 
when you're watching two people on screen and they're sort of committing either like violent or sexual acts, mm. you know, you're you as in two like figures on screen, you kind of watch it from a distance. But the fact that you're in this film, it's it sort of infiltrates you, like you're you're that person. You kind of feel all the much um uh, it's it's feels so much more visceral and yes. uh you you feel like it's invading your space uh and you know you don't really feel great about it um and that's what this film does and, I, and you know I, I don't think there's that many films that that have really achieved that to be honest um i think they've done they've done a lot of these pov type of action films like there's a you know action film called hardcore henry and yeah. um uh, uh, and like the villainess sort of mm-hmm. has some sort of some of the POV but oh, I mean too, and, yeah yeah so that you know that's um that feels like more like a simulation I guess but mm. but with this you know this feels so much grimier and you know using that word icky um you know especially that kind of horrible rape scene and oh, um yeah you, you know you you just sort of like you know uh, you if you kind of as I said you you feel like you're sort of just looking around going is is I'm, I'm not doing this by the way <laughs> it's just uh it's it's uh but um yeah apparently they I think they made some James Cameron sort of developed some sort of special cameras that they're able to sort of achieve that he ended up sort of building his own cameras to sort of achieve that look not surprise me um when hasn't he built his yeah. own camera to achieve a yeah. certain look um yeah yeah. It's yo, it does feel really grimy because it does feel in your face. I mean, yes, you do get these kind of POV um shots within sort of action and it's kind of got that thing. And then they used are a lot in horror. Um, but this kind of um feels maybe because he did build this sort of specific camera, it does really feel in your face. Like yeah. a lot of other P- POV kind of shot things, you there's a distance, like. Yeah, if you're yeah. watching like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees when they're doing that, there's a distance. You can kind of distance yourself, but with Strange yeah, Days, yeah. You, it's in your face. And when you're watching yeah. some of these horrid, even some of the more, more um, simple, relatively simple things, it feels icky. Like when he's showing that entertainment lawyer guy and he's having a shower, is like, you're having a shower as an 18-year-old girl. I'm just like going... Well, that's gross um <laughs> yeah 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 that's it's, what i just because that's it's, it's that's why watching uh being john malkovich just like yeah it, it feels it's really odd that this type of um sensation is like so fetishized it's like yes well each to his own i guess each to his own and there's feel... no kink shaming here if you want to shower as an 18 year old girl you can shower as an 18 year old girl yeah but they yeah. make it very clear that people are actually doing this as well and i think the same with john malkovich yeah. you're very clear that this is an actual person that they're living through um yeah. and you get the sense because most entertainment you can watch as a distance and you can kind of get that disconnect of oh this is someone else but in strange yeah. days they make it very clear that these people these are people experiencing these things um yeah. so uh lenny which is the best sleazy name ever i don't know what it is about lenny <laughs> um it's perfectly encapsulates uh ralph wine's character uh, lenny nero um he's actually also paying people to for content he's getting guys to sleep with hot girls he's talking he's buying things off um uh people who are having these kind of experiences and then giving them hints of like oh yeah make sure the eyes are wider so you actually believe that you're making love to someone um and so he's kind of 
he's he's a producer as much as he is a dealer um and it's you you get the thing that okay these are real people these are real experiences people are buying and selling their experiences which kind of feels way more modern now than i ever think it would have been 95 i think that would have been a very strange sci-fi concept um and watching it now this movie doesn't really feel like science fiction it just kind of feels more like a neon noir because of it um but yeah there's a kind of a really intimate sense with this movie and i think that's why it feels very uncomfortable especially when you get to the violence um and the more lenny goes into this world and the murder of um, Iris and everything like that and trying to get Faith back. He's getting into this mess he doesn't really understand and then he has to keep going into these kind of playbacks which are much more violent, much more horrific. And because Cameron and Bigelow, especially Bigelow has set up so well what this thing is, when you watch it, you're like, oh God, this is an actual person being murdered. And you're looking around going, should I be watching this? This does not feel right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, going back to sort of the previous point about whether it doesn't, um, it feels less science fiction and feels mm-hmm. more now. This is this is why I bring this film up to so many people because <coughs> the film the film feels re- weirdly clairvoyant. It just feels so. If, if I'm not sure if you remember, but there was a time when GoPro started going on the market and. Mm. You were seeing these YouTube videos of, and they were probably most, probably most of them were like sort of fake, but they would do these sort of chases where they'd be, or actually they'd be like, they would strap a GoPro mm. to the head and <coughs> they, would, um, they would do, they, they would do these sort of parkour jumps and, and it's just, it's just, it's shot just like how it is in this film. Yeah. Um, but also regarding the, the police brutality side, you know, it's very sort of reminiscent. I mean, the thing is, is that regarding police brutality and race, that's just an ongoing struggle. Yeah. But it feels like when when we see a film like this, we think, oh, that just reminded me of the thing that happened a couple of months ago that we saw in the news. Yeah. <coughs> no, it, it it really does. It's, um, which is kind of why maybe I just gravitate toward the happy ending, even though I know it's corny and it's not, like that video is unfortunately not going to change anything, which is kind of the sad reality of it. But I like the fact that in this movie, no, it does. It, it actually does. Um, but you're right. It's kind of the pre- police brutality of it um, really hasn't changed. And it just is just as real as it was back in 95 and just as real because, yeah, but the same thing is that we see it more. I mean, they used to be able to go and hide behind alleyways and, and kind of cover it up but now because people have the ability to show actually what's happening it's kind of um going yeah this is what a whole section of the community already knew like you're not this is not new don't act surprised that you did not know this was happening um because this is an everyday thing it's but it kind of yeah just predicted the way um violence is treated I'm trying to find the words. Yeah, no, it's just, it kind of, the way she presents the police brutality is just so realistic in a world, in a movie that does not feel, it feels more realistic now, but I think at the time the movie is meant to be set up as this fantastic kind of slightly futuristic movie. But then when she deals with the police brutality, it's just how it is. And it kind of grounds the movie in this amazing way where you're like, yeah, yeah, this, 
riots in the streets um and when they're saying this will cause riots yeah it's going to cause riots because it's going to make people angry justifiably angry like um um like in Lahaine, it's like yes oh it is i think i've heard read it as a young man's a young angry man's movie but i'm like yeah but this is all justifiable anger this is not you can't say don't get angry at this like no get angry and it's kind of um it's Catherine Bigelow doing her thing of I want to understand what's happening I'm not going to maybe present it in the most realistic way but you're going to get it regardless if that makes sense yeah um so yeah it, there's there's a um a group called um Run the Jewels and yes. they um they released an album last year Run the Jewels 4 and mm. Um, they, a lot of the sort of lyrics, it, basically it was released um, around, I think the same period when there was all these Black Lives Matter marches. Mm. And, you know, the, when, when they released out the album, a lot of the content was, felt, felt weirdly similar to what was sort of going on, you know, on people's minds mm. at that time. And when they were interviewing them, they said, you know how did you how did you predict how sorry how did you um how did you predict this uh you know th this happening and this is just every day for us it's not yeah you know, these these things are on our mind they you know, we wrote this album at the end of last year hmm. as in the end of the previous year so it's at the end of 2019 um and you know th these are these are things that are on our mind every day you know so it's not specific to george floyd it's 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 uh it's specific to what goes on in our heads like every day yeah and i, I mean, think yeah regard, regard, sorry re regarding sort of you know living in L la i'm sure those you know regarding you know what what's in james cameron's mind or just sort of living in that landscape mm. these are these are things you know sure it was kind of it was written apparently was written um around the time of what happened with the la riots and mm. rodney king and but i'm sure these are you know these are themes that will keep on will, that will unfortunately you know be in the ether you know for for years to come on you know unfortunately no it never goes away and i think when you do watch sort of content it's just like oh shit, how does this happen again how did you predict this was going to happen it's like no yeah. this happens all the time it's just because the cameras aren't on it doesn't mean it doesn't stop it just keeps yeah. happening it's just at the most at the moment we have which is good more information more light on it is only can only hopefully be a good thing where you hope yeah. anyway but um no and i think it is two people who live very in a very wealthy area of la who've done very well for themselves and then the LA riots happened. Um, yeah. And they're like surprised going, hang on, what the LAPD do this? No, they've been corrupt since the friggin' get go. It's just how the LAPD is. Um, and it, I think, it, yeah, it, it, so this sort of section had to sort of look at this and then it, they thought, oh, it went away. And it's like, no, it didn't go away. It's just no one's looking at it. And this kind of what yeah. Yeah. this, uh, what I love Strange Days does actually feel like it's actually doing because it is so, feels just as probably precedent as it did in 95 in terms of that. But it's just kind of like, no, this happens all the time. You can have, um, you can be looking at it sometimes and they're not looking at it, but doesn't mean it never was there. I mean, there's so many, examples that are not in terms of uh, systematic racism and br police brutality. I mean, 
you can look at the Harvey Weinstein scandal, you can look at the crack epide epidemic in the 80s or the opium um, crisis going on in the States now, or even when you're looking at um, Lahaine in France in the mid 90s, going back to um, Battle for Algiers uh, movie, you can then come back to Les Miserables um, in 2019, not the musical, though I guess if you want a <laughs> revolution in there, you can. Um, yeah. going back to these things and also blind spotting just because you make a movie every five years that deals with the subject doesn't mean every five years the problem comes up it's just yeah it's always going to be in the ether and I think it, when you put strange days yes it is two very wealthy people privileged people trying to figure out what actually happened but the way I love Catherine Bigelow shot it it's just like oh no this is just every day people are just yeah. using squid just to escape it because yeah um they don't necessarily want to deal with what is the reality that's um, around them, which is why I love the Mace character so much. One, because it's Angela Bassett, but two, because she is the person that keeps going, you need to look at what's happening around the world. Please, you need to switch off the squib and actually look at reality because that is what's happening in front of you, not what you think is going back and looking at your old relationship with Juliet Lewis. Yeah. So that was I, a long um, rant. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. That's right. You you bring up um, uh, you you bring up um, Angela Bassett. Uh, yeah, I think everyone has their um, Sigourney Weaver as uh, as 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 Ellen Ripley. Everyone has their um, Sarah Hamilton uh, as uh, sorry Sarah Hamilton um, as as uh, yes. Sarah Connor. Yes. Um, and uh, I have Angela Bassett as Mace because I think she's the best. I think she is just, oh. you know, she is just so cool. And and also, I mean, okay, not just not just Angela Bassett as Mace, but I think I don't think I don't think in 1995 there are. I think they picked the two best looking people in the world <laughs> at that point and put them on film because, yeah, but both Ray finds. And uh, and uh, Angela Bassett look great in this film. Ah, oh, Angela Bassett especially. Like the one yeah. thing I keep looking at with her and um, Ralph Fiennes because he's so skeezed up and he's called Lenny of all things. I'm like, oh, Angela, <laughs> you can do better, sweetie. You don't oh, really, need to... really. Yeah, I'm like, and yeah. I love Ralph Fiennes. Like <laughs> even old grumpy Ralph Fiennes in No Time to Die, I'm all for. But I'm just like, Angela, <laughs> you can do better. Come on, you sweetie. Do, aren't you, you just took down you, Vincent D'Onofrio and William Finkner in your <laughs> bare feet. Come on. <laughs> aren't, you aren't you mesmerized by uh, by Ray Fiennes' cheekbones? Oh, and yes. And his blue eyes. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's just the hair in this movie. I can't. And that's his hair. Like everyone else has got a terrible <laughs> wig on, which I love the fact that they get to finally use terrible wigs and have a reason in a movie. Um, yeah. Strange yeah. days, especially Tom, yeah. Tom Sizemore's um, revelation with his wig. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, wig, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's something so already broken, which is very noir. I mean, these are about broken people in, in noir and he is so broken. Yeah, that he, he's well, as yeah. as I as I described before, he's pretty much a used car salesman, and uh, you he know. <clears throat> but I I love that um, sense of occasion in his uh, in his dress sense, like uh, <laughs> yes. oh man, like that that uh, what is it the the three quarter length pinstripe suit in the oh, last act, and, yes. Uh, but and I love I love that line where 
uh, he he looks in the mirror and she goes, oh, and then um, Andrew Bassett goes, what's wrong? And he goes, this tie doesn't go with anything. <laughs> this is a man I, that is absolutely just to impress. He is always on the job. Um, he's always hustling. He's always on the move. Um, yeah. He's always trying to sell new products, buy new products. Um, like the first time you meet him, he's looking. Uh, he's looking to buy some more squids playback. Um, he's amazing in this movie. Um, it, he's he's so good that I actually believe he's just a skis. I'm just like, that's it. Plenty of time for him. I mean, he's already trying to hustle your customers in the back. You're trying to just be a limo driver. You're not trying to do anything else. You're just trying to get through the day. And yeah. you've got friggin' Lenny in the back of the limo trying to yeah. charm the guy yeah. and take him to yeah, yeah, the club yeah, he yeah. wants to go to so he can talk to Faith. And um, yeah. I'm just going to take you to a, a new a, a middle 19, 1990s middle club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very... that What is, is that prong? I think it... Is that band? I think it is prong. It, it is, it? yeah. They used, yeah, yeah. and because I know Juliet Lewis. I know the songs were written by PG Harvey. I want to say that's right. Yeah, prong yeah, is the yeah. band, and I know she yeah. actually did this. Her own, uh, Juliet Lewis did her own singing, um, yeah. which is kind of fantastic. Um, that I oh god, because it's ninety five. I'm like, I know that. I know that style of band. I know that style of venue. <laughs> Maybe not as fancy. Yeah. My versions were much more of a warehouse, but um, <laughs> I, I, I know this. <laughs> right, cool. I have memories. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Skunk and Nancy uh, yes. kind of later on in the film as well. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, yeah, that was a band that I used to love during that time. Um, uh, I, I was I was a big fan. Probably a bit earlier on though, actually, uh, yeah. their sort of earlier stuff before they broke America um but uh yeah i mean yeah as i said it does feel like a an mtv movie um in its sort of sensibilities and you know it's sort of uh different sort of genres of music that are sort of playing you know throughout um sort of like in you know in the same with streets of fire as well um and it and uh you know the, the leather trousers and oh, the, yeah. the yeah the, well there's lots of leather in the film oh my god uh, so much leather yeah there's so much leather and that's what i'm saying it, it it's very much um the aesthetic of its time um even though it sort of deals with these themes that are sort of timeless i guess yeah i think that kind of that's kind of Catherine bigelow's thing almost she's really good at capturing sort of what's the fashion sort of the mood of what's going on and then yeah. kind of twisting it into this kind of almost not reality kind of thing. And I think Strange Days is a perfect example of that. Yeah, she's capturing MTV perfectly. I mean, the way the videos are shot when you see Jericho, Jericho's ones kind of music. Um, and when you're sort of in that in the club, in that venue club, and again, that kind of music. I mean, she's kind of she's picking PJ Harvey, she's picking Skunk and Nancy, she's picking um uh, the uh, that other band you mentioned that are all kind of that would they were just either hitting either well, either just hitting the LA scene, I guess, at that time, or they were already well established. And it was just kind of capturing this moment of, yeah, this is what MTV is at the moment. Everyone's wearing leather. Everyone's kind of <laughs> trying to make yeah, metal, metal arty. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're trying to do all these kind of weird kind of blending things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that was kind of 95. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is one of the most 1995 yeah. films ever made, yeah. even if it feels yeah. really precedent in what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want you to go, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember all of this. 
yeah yeah and there's also the sort of the rave music and then yes the um the sort of house song that sort of plays at the end and uh um yeah that apparently they sort of actually had a proper like rave where yeah the apex twin was djing and, and stuff like that so um yeah it, it it's 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 it i mean in a way um sort of like you know you know hackers the film hackers yes. that very much feels like an mtv film as well um but you know you i think for i guess for my generation uh you sort of just watch it with this sort of you know a with doughy eyes of uh nostalgia you do i think um even though yeah you really do watch hackers with doughy of nostalgia and you've got a little bit of doughy eyed with strange days um, yeah. But then it keeps slapping you back to reality and like, oh, oh wait, man, yeah, no, yeah, this exactly. is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. crap. Yeah. You're watching this horrible rape scene where she's watching. Oh my oh, god, my god. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And um, though I did remember when I did first watch it, when Tom, as soon as Tom Sizemore um, came on screen, I was like, don't trust him at all. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. is not a man Pretty you can trust. <laughs> which is very kind of obvious, like, right? Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Tom Sizemore. Yeah. I love Tom Sizemore. Like I, I love every single time he comes on screen. But even watching, I think Private Ryan the first time, I was like, going, is he gonna like be working for the Germans at some point? Yeah, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's good in that film, wasn't he? Yeah. He's really good in that movie, actually. It's um, yeah, it's just this kind of amazing kind of thing. Yeah, but it's got this aesthetic where you're like, oh, you're. I'm like, I remember '95. I was probably a bit too young for all of this, but I knew it was around and Aphex Twin was probably freaking me out. So I wasn't going anywhere near that, but <laughs> that'd be a few years later. But um, a lot of this music yeah. is actually a few years later. Like I'm watching it going, I don't think I got into this until I was 19. That would have been just right, after 2000. Right. Like when I finally went right. back and went, oh, there's all this amazing kind of stuff that I yeah. just probably looked at and went, oh no. And then went, no, I like NWA. I like PJ Harvey. I like... <laughs> Yeah. um skunk and nancy it just took me a while just to to get there and when the kind of the world had moved on um to something else i was like no i'm gonna sit here and listen to my mid-90s alternative i'm quite happy <laughs> yeah 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 no it was it, yeah i mean as i said i only to sort of discovered it a couple of years after um uh it was released but um yeah i, I was sort of watching it thinking this film's for me you know yeah. but um yeah because I, I guess because I was an MTV kid I used to sort of spend my time watching yo MTV raps and then like followed that up by Headbangers Ball and all that <laughs> stuff so, so um, no there's a thing in Australia called uh Rage uh which is kind of like a Saturday night like starts at like 10 and goes through like six in the morning with all they do is just play um music videos it always kind of counted itself as the alternative mtv so you would never really get what was popular you'd always get like fx twin pj harvey oh wow right really randomly a lot of um george michael which was always weird like you go through all this kind of like music like you know um mary and the change gang and all of a sudden you get like george michael I'm like what oh god that programmer really likes george michael all right okay um it's <laughs> but, that sounds great that yeah sounds you, great you, yeah you'd always come home you'd always and it's late on a saturday night and then you'd turn on rage and it i haven't done it in years i, I think i'd watch it now and just not recognize anything but um right. it was just always this amazing thing and they'd always kind of play this amazing amazing stuff it was like yeah the alternative mtv um yeah. so it's kind of oh, that music always makes me think of rage because that's why I think I started really kind of getting into it but it's um yeah but this movie is just it's 
it feels like it doesn't feel like an accident. I mean, Catherine Bigelow's a bit too smart for that, especially with this movie. Like she knows exactly what she wants to say. She knows exactly where she wants to go. And she's kind of using um, Cameron's uh, script and just kind of running with it and doing, adding all this extra stuff onto it that I don't necessarily know if Cameron ever intended it to be. It's kind of amazing. Like I would have, I should have read more into it to see if Cameron ever wanted to make this movie or if he wrote it and Catherine saw it and went just went, I'm taking that. Thank you very much. And then Cameron was just able to get it made because he's James Cameron. <laughs> I think what happened was that he wrote a treatment for it. And then, yeah. and then, um, and then I think he was sort of newly married to Catherine Bigelow mm. and then Ka- Catherine Bigelow convinced him to to write the the script from that that treatment yeah um uh uh and i think it's jay cox that co-wrote the the script oh yes yes um um, what did you think of the um the action in the film i really liked it um i think it's really uh, there's something i don't know how to describe Catherine Bigelow's style of action, but it's really cool. Like it really moves really fluidly. So like as soon as you get like that chase scene at the beginning with Paul oh, Iris man. running so away, cool, right? it's so cool. And the fact that um, somehow Vincent D'Onofrio is breaking the glass of the LA train is just kind of incredible. It's kind of like the Terminator again. Yeah. Like he's just after her and nothing's going to stop it. And then you just pull the wig off and yeah, she wastes action. And that final thing of, um especially when they're in the crowd and you know there's tanks there's police there's people just kind of partying and breaking things and the world is going to end and it's just I don't know she's really great with action she just knows where to how and where to move the camera so you're just following everything and you don't necessarily know where you are but you don't care because it's just watching Angela Bassett barefoot take down two grown men and I love it (laughs) which is the end thing but yeah 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 um i think the um my favorite set piece even though it only lasts for like one or two minutes is the is when they um set fire to the car yes <laughs> yes and they drive into the water. yeah 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 i think that's so cool it's just just the image of like like the car on fire and then then just sort of driving it to you know it's just uh it's so cool to to to, to watch um, yeah it's it's really cool and they're just kind of realizing you know oh the car's on fire and then she just kind of goes on the brakes and you just that image of the flaming car going into the yeah yeah going into the water yeah into yeah. the water it's is just... is such a cool cool image this movie has so many cool images um yeah. Which is kind of the point because it's all about sort of, you know, the squib and kind of watching other people's kind of experiences. But then you just get this really cool action. I mean, I love the fight at the end with Tom Sizemore and uh, Ralph Fiennes when they're on the balcony. And yeah. the fact that he's hanging by the tie that he was having issues with before and he just kind of cuts <laughs> yeah. it and just yeah. watching him fall. I'd love a good villain fall. Um, <laughs> it's great. And yeah. yeah, the action in it is just really, really, I mean, this is an over two hour movie. So it's kind of, true to James Cameron I guess involvement it's long um but again you never really feel like that because time we got to the New Year's Eve party I was like oh shit we're already at the New Year's Eve party it kind of went really quickly I guess because you're just so involved in this kind of this is such an LA movie that you're just kind of wandering out around LA and you're just kind of happy to be doing that because everything's sleazy everything's drug induced everything's kind of in a haze um as well as being this very mtv kind of thing which i kind of love it's kind of got these two conflicting things going on and especially when you get to meet 
uh, Michael Wincott at, with Faith, and he just looks like he is high as fuck, and just it's amazing. <laughs> and and Ma- Michael Wincott's uh, British accent as well is uh, yes, is, is something to. Yeah, I think it's, he did a good job of it. Didn't he? Didn't really, he didn't. wasn't over the top with it. It's wasn't over good. the yeah, because most people, when you realize they're doing British, especially even Australian yeah. accent, you're like, oh, you're hitting every beat of every accent. Oh, yes, you don't need, yes, you don't need yes, to yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you said it. Yeah. <laughs> no, every single time yeah. I hear someone do an Australian accent, I'm like, you don't need to do all the Australian <laughs> accents in one. You can just choose one. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah, he's no, actually, he, uh, yeah. he's he's what he has that villain face, right? He's he just does. pretty much the the perfect uh, uh, villain. But um, but he he he's he's really good. He's really good in. I tell you what, he's really good in. What's that film with Eddie Murphy? Uh, where Golden Eddie Child? Plays a, no, no, no. He's like a hostage. Oh, Metro is it? Is it Metro? I have not seen Metro. Hang on. Is it Metro? I think it is Metro. Um, uh, is that, yes, it is. He's, yeah. yeah. He's, he's in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a really good villain in, in that, that film. He, he like really um, chews the scenery in that. So, oh, yeah. Speaking uh, of the current, I, I love it. That. Yeah. Speaking of the current, I love when Michael Wincott chews the scenery. Um, he's, yeah, no, he's just really good as this kind of louse. Like he's kind of the red head herring villain which again, yeah. I love, but um, he is such that typical sleazy promoter agent, whatever he is. Um, and it's kind of that typical true crime story when the guy's just done too much drugs, too paranoid and just kind of causes his own mess and kind of leaves yeah. everyone else to kind of clean it up. It's um, I, I, it's great. And I love him, just him lousing on the couch is just kind of, kind of brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that no, moment he, when they pull the, the blanket off him, you realize, oh, wait, it's not Faith. It's it's Philo. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> like, listen, listening back to one of your episodes when you had Mike on and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I think he was talking about, I can't remember what film he was talking about. He said, uh, I, I'm not sure I like the film but I love this film. And that's sort of how I feel about this film because I do feel like it's, it's, it's imperfect. Oh, I feel yeah. like it's got about five different endings. Like yes, it, it, you does. know, <laughs> it doesn't know when to end. Uh, I mean, you could have, you could have just ended right in that apartment when after start, Tom Sizemore dies, hmm. but, um, but there's about five more endings after that. So uh, uh, it, it, it does sort of feel like it sort of drags on, but I kind of like it for that. I kind of like that it goes for the big swing. And um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I like these sort of over the, the top um, uh, uh, mentality of it. No, it's got a really over the top mentality. It is messy. It does have five different endings. Um, but I like it for that because it keeps, yeah, it's got, it's, this is not a movie that would be easily, t- I mean, you could have easily just ended it in the, the apartment. But then um, you wouldn't get the kind of the whole New Year's Eve ending, which I kind of like. Yeah, the closure with Mace. I think it needed needed that. You needed that. Um, I mean, I like those two that they get together and he finally sees what's in front of him um, and not what he's been looking back at. Um, Because I love Juliette Lewis in this movie. I think she's such the worst, Um, but in the best kind of way, because she's just trying to, 
love her life. I mean, yeah, she has very questionable taste in men, but um, I think she's just trying to do her own thing and this her ex just won't leave her alone. Whether she's in a good place or a bad place is, is kind of thing. But yeah, you I kind of like you get that closure. I like to get you get the closure of those cops being arrested, um, even if they have to try and go suicide by cop. Um, it's that it, it gives you closure at the end. Um, I don't know if it would have been a better movie if it might have been a better movie if it kind of just ended and just kind of left things a tad messy. But I like the movie more that it gives me closure, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I like all I, the I like all I, the bows are tied. Yeah, yeah. Uh you, you were talking about Juliet Lewis, mm. like just like Diane Lane, she uh she has this great dress and she's on stage as well. Oh, yes. Another thing I'll never be able to I could actually pull off more the the Diane Lane outfit, not not that sequence amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you oh, know, yeah. Um, she, um yeah, that's an iconic look, I guess. Yes, it's absolutely just, she looks gorgeous in it and the way she's moving her hips when she's singing, it's just, it's sex on, it's six and heels. It's, um, it's absolutely amazing. And I love how she's kind of so, oh, she looks like she has about six venereal diseases and I love her. Um, she's <laughs> such a hot mess in this movie. It's, and you can kind of see it, like when you have the memory of her, it's relatively innocent, like, He's obviously in love with her. He's more interested in her face than anything else. And then when you see her, when you see her in the present day, she looks like a hot mess. She looks like, oh, this girl needs sleep and a burger and yes. um, to be tucked into bed right now. Yes. You can yes. tell she's yeah. made terrible, terrible choices. And I like the fact that this is a character that stands by every single choice that she's made. This is, except maybe at the end when her evil boyfriend has been thrown off a balcony and she's realized as well that did not end the way I thought it was going to um it's kind of she's always a character that no matter what is going to land on her feet um and I kind of love her as a femme fatale in this movie because most femme fatales get really hammeredly punished and she's just kind of left alone but you know she's going to be okay even if she's going to continue to be a hot mess if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. um well, I think what this is, it sort of um, mirrors uh, how, um, you know, Ray Fine looks, isn't he? He yes. sort of looks a bit grimy and he you know, also he's looks got like a hot mess. He's got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the, he's got the sort of stubble and, yeah. you know, he, he you know, he, he, and he's, you see sort of that like he's bruised and bleeding as well from sort of people randomly beating him up. <laughs> um, um, which I guess is a is a noir trait as well. But, oh yes, um, yeah. Um, uh, you know that yeah, your sort of schlubby guy who ends up just get, getting beaten up wherever he goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think maybe I just I'm, I've, I haven't sort of talked about Mace enough because I think uh, you know she's just as Andrew Bassett is just she's just perfect for the role. She looks great. I mean, she looks like she could beat you up. You know those sort of like biceps, you know, that she's oh got. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, you know, I, I love like, like a lot of the like line deliveries she has, she has that sort of speech um, in, um, in a, in a house with, with, uh, with, with the character of Lenny as well. Um, yeah. She's just perfect, man. 
She really is. And I think she needs all the praise in the movie because as soon as she enters it, the movie changes. Yep. And I love yeah, when yeah. actors do that. And the fact that she walks in and this movie suddenly gets changes to something else because Mace is there and you know that she's in complete control of everything that she's in. I mean, Lenny's just bungling around getting beaten up. He's kind of walking into situations where he doesn't necessarily understand the real danger of it all. Mace knows yeah. exactly. Like my favorite moment in the movie is just a, 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 a tiny quiet moment. It's when they've gone to, I think to her sister's house after. Yeah. Yeah. The, and she, there is a party. She's got no daughter. She's gone to this um, and they're having a house party. And she looks at this young boy just dancing to the music and she smiles, yeah. but it's this kind of bittersweet smile. And it's kind of, again, encapsulates everything that this movie is about. It's kind of this very, she's smiling because she she's just look, watching him dance, having fun. But at the same time, it's this motherly, maternal, protective smile of, I kind of want to protect you because I know the world you're going into is not going to be safe for you at all. And it kind of says so much about what happens to young black men in the States and well, everywhere. Um, and it's such, and she just gives such, she's not cold and hard. I mean, as much as I love Linda Hamilton, as much as I love um, uh, Ripley, uh, Ripley actually gives the warmth as well, but Mace gives off, and Angela Bassett gives off this warmth and lovingness that yeah. I, more so um, than anyone else. She's tough. She yeah. looks like she can beat you up. She's always in control of what everything is happening around her. But she has this amazing warmth. Like you can tell she loves her kid. She, you know, is trying to do the best. She's just trying to get through the day. Um, and yet she's kind of, because of where she lives, who she is and what she is, she knows exactly the danger and the fact that she's willing, she's the one willing to stand up and fight for Jericho one is kind of, I love it so much. She's the one that wants to put the video out regardless of yeah. what's going to happen because that is the right thing to do. She's kind of the ultimate good and light in this movie and and then the fact that she's Angela Bassett I mean I freaking love Vampire in Brooklyn because of Angela Bassett so she's kind ah, of yeah. yeah well not love but I like her I like her movie, <laughs> movie that she, that movie's got five movies I like her movie um yeah that's what I'm trying to say um and she makes this movie I think you would be missing a big part of what makes this movie great if she yeah. wasn't in it and i think you'd notice the mess a little bit more if she wasn't yeah in it. yeah yeah because i think Absolutely. yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. those last moments are all involve her yeah uh, regarding sort of the beating up the police and then the then you know she ends up getting sort of beaten up by the, the by the riot police and all yes. that stuff oh but that's heartbreaking she's, uh, <laughs> she's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. oh yes yeah. of course it's, 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 yeah it's tough yeah. to watch yeah it's but, really tough to know, watch she sells it yeah yeah, yeah. she you know, she really sort of sells it, and you know, uh, you're right. But that, even though it does have five endings, they all involve Angela Bassett. So you know, we'd be sort of glad to sort of watch it right to the very end. Yeah, because Lenny's an agent of chaos. I mean, what he just does, he just even makes things worse, or he kind of, because um, yeah. the fact that he keeps trusting Faith. I mean, I love the names, the character names in this this movie. Actually, what do you think of the character yeah. names? They're just. Feel yeah, over the top, yeah, on yeah. point, but great. <laughs> no, like Lenny, Lenny, Max, Mace, uh, Faith. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all really cool names. Yeah, Philo. It's um. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all really great, and the fact that yeah, um, the yeah, fact that he no, keeps there's nothing. Yeah, yeah they're, they're they're all just yeah, really great. But the no, fact that he keeps trusting Faith is wrong. 
like you can't just faith is not the person you need to put your faith in she's going to be doing her own thing and you are not you are not going to be that important um but yeah you would yeah this movie would be a mess if it wasn't for Bassett. she's got such a grounding presence and she's great and i love her yeah, <laughs> yeah as as i said like she really can sell a line as well oh, you know yeah. It, it's, oh yeah it's the um that that uh fat boy slim song uh samples right here right now oh yeah do you recognize that yeah so she does a speech to uh um to lenny in, in that in that house and then she yes. says the words right right, right here, here right, right, now. right now i can't believe and, i didn't and pick it's, that up. Uh, yeah <laughs> and um but there you go that's just angela bassett for you isn't it yes yes there's a yeah. reason why she was cast in queen and black panther um because she is one yes. um it's yeah it's yeah this movie hit harder and maybe it was because of the last two years like a lot of movies have but just the militarization um at the end really hit me um i think because i have just been watching a lot of riots um or the riots have just been kind of part of the fabric of life at the moment of how you yeah. sort of see the world that hit a lot harder um yeah. just the police standing there waiting it's just like oh yeah oh that yeah it it hits all so much harder when it probably should have just been hitting as harder maybe just because i was just younger and stupider but it's um yeah it all kind of hits so much better and i'll just be i know because i watched it sort of well after 2000 so maybe and i thought oh yeah i love the idea i love what it's talking about it's still happening um but for some reason yeah this time around everything about those visuals just really hit harder um especially the shooting of Jericho one that was hard to really hard to watch just because it's just like yeah that's that yeah no that's that's not far off how things go that's and it's really really hard yeah and um this is why I recommend it mm. all the time to, to everyone you know you a lot of people it, it does feel like the unsung um movie of uh, Catherine Bigelow's filmography really um, actually, is. I guess I guess, you know, people talk about K-19 or, you know, you could say K-19 is or whatever, but I feel like this is a film that has so many ideas and it's shot in such a unique way that, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's, it feels like a hidden gem. It really does. And it's kind of, because it was so hard to see for so long. It just came back on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, we were sort of yeah. talking about it. Oh, how are we going to watch it? And I said, oh, I think we've got a crappy DVD somewhere. And then you guys, oh, wait, no, there is a Blu-ray. And it kind of feels kind of a miracle. And the fact that there is a Blu-ray now, this movie is amazing because it was really hard to see for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't have been. So people were sort of talking like, yeah, yeah, um, Point Blank and then The Hurt Locker and all these movies because they're just much easier to see when you're like going, yeah, but what about Blue Steel? What about, oh, especially Strange Days, which is doing so much. I mean, she's really going for such a big swing in this yeah. movie and talking about so so much um yeah. and the fact that it's now back on blue which means maybe hopefully be back on streaming soon you can rent it yeah more people can see this movie and yeah and hopefully kind of see what she's doing in it and sort of seeing what she's saying and going oh yeah okay i see and because i love how hard this movie is to watch at times i love the fact that that rape scene is really hard to watch it's so brutal and the way it affects Lenny and you're just watching it going oh 
duh. It, yeah, you look around going, I should not be watching this. This was wrong. And I love how she just doesn't, she really just shows you the horror of it. It's not for exploitation. It's just to go, no, this is horrific. Um, and I love, yeah, I love how when parts in this movie are hard to watch, they're hard to watch. And the way she shoots those POVs, they're really in your face and there's no escaping them. And those images now burnt into your brain. And I think it's really smart the way she does it, that those, all those really hard scenes are all squid playbacks. Um, I think that's a really smart way to do it. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a genre film uh, because on, yeah. on, if you sort of look at, if you sort of just look at the blurb or look at you just think well I'm you know it's a it's a it's a sci-fi action movie you know but um you don't sort of realize sort of what you're kind of getting into until mm. well actually until the, those first few minutes that opening is that well, that opening is incredible it's oh, just it's such amazing. a sort of it's such a sort of gut punch and it's sort of making you it, it, it tell it's just basically saying pay attention to this film um, it sort of reminds me of, <coughs> have you seen that film, Running Scared? It's, um... Oh, the, um, Paul Walker one? Yeah, the Paul yes, Walker yes, one. Yes, I have. That sort of yes. opens in, in quite oh, a yes. similar, like, vis visceral way. And, yeah. You know, it's sort of like saying, pay attention to yeah, this. Yeah, and that movie does not let up as well. <laughs> that movie was so much more darker than I was <laughs> expecting. I was just like, oh, my God, this is like a nightmare fairy tale fuel movie i was not expecting and now i kind of love it um man man you you like you use on your sort of twitter account you put um you 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 mention all these sort of uh all, all these films that would be great as sort of pairings from mm. marathons and i think if we did like a, a panic attack uh marathon it would be that it'd be it would be running scared and uncut gems i think yes! you'd probably you'd, <laughs> probably have a heart attack by the end of the by the end of like the both screenings I think oh my god I think I had almost had a felt I was having a panic attack after watching um <laughs> Uncut Gems I was just like oh my god <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's yeah. um yeah I mean this movie does give you time to breathe where there's running scared and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. do not give you time it to does breathe not let up all. does it you does just sort of there. yeah 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 this movie does um which I'm kind of thankful for because you do get all these other elements like the club the kind of what's going on in LA all these yeah. things but when those action scenes start to roll like the opening on the track with the subway um and then the burning car and then the fight in the apartment all these kind of other things those moments you don't get time to breathe because yeah the movie is basically saying you need to pay attention um I've given you the party elements I've given you kind of the lead up but once you hit that especially when but these moments I need you to pay attention and she's so great at control um of sort of saying no 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 just you got to watch this. You got to see something awesome, and you'll be like going, "What the fuck?" And a lot of the time, you're like going, "What the fuck? This is amazing!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it, I think uh, you know. I, I think uh, I was sort of um, doubting myself, kind of picking strange days, uh, because I feel like I'm like alone in this uh, person that beats the drum for this film. But the more I think about it, the more I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's an it's an unsung gem of a movie. I really think it is. I think it should be talked about more. Um, yeah. I mean, Catherine Bigelow is one of those directors where people know her because she made um, Point Break. I think I called it uh, Point something else before. Um, Point Blank, very different movie. Um, and she's kind of like this cool action kind of thing. And I, she's, 
she is and she isn't. I think she's got this very weird way of wanting to figure out why things are happening in the world. And she keeps coming back to very specific issues. Um, no. But she's not always that interested in showing them realistically. I think this movie she does. Like, I think she really yeah. nails home in the, what these things actually look like and what they actually are. I think later in her career, she gets kind of a little bit more abstract, which I think is yeah. not, doesn't work as well. Though I haven't seen Detroit yet, so I can't actually talk on that one just because, um, but I definitely know with Hurt Locker and uh, Zero, Zero Dark 30. Zero Dark 30, I think she's very interested in very specific ramifications, but she's just not interested in the reality of it or not the realities that connect them, I should say. Um, but this one, she does. I mean, when you are seeing the reality of a situation, it really nails at home and it is the as horrific as it needs to be. Um, so she's a fascinating director in that respect. And I kind of wish this movie, yeah, was talked about more because I think when you watch it, it's you're just marveling at how amazing she is at action and what she's really kind of nailing home. And mm. I love that this movie's a mess. I love this this movie's convoluted because it's a noir. Yeah. Noirs are meant to be yeah. convoluted. I love the fact that yeah. um, Lenny's a hot mess and doesn't actually know what's happened until like the last moments of the movie when he's actually kind of going, oh, is this what this has all been about? Okay. Um, yeah. And that Mace is there quietly going, I told you so. Um, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just a great, great movie. It is one of the best movies of the 90s, I think, because it is such a 90s movie, yet it has got so much to say. It is, yeah, it, 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 it like every great movie, it just opens up more and more um, every time I watch it. And I think that's always a sign of a great movie. And yeah, that's I, I completely agree. Yeah. 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 And the fact that I got to watch it in Blu-ray crisp and actually kind of got like the full scope of it, watching my old dodgy, my old partner's dodgy DVD, was kind of a revelation because I went, oh, this movie's so pretty and ugly at the same time. <laughs> is your partner a fan then? Oh, he loves this movie, yeah. This was because he goes, it's a science fiction movie. I'm like going, is it? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. no, he really, he was the one who showed, first showed me this movie was was my partner, oh. so. Oh, cool, right. Yeah. All right. He's right. like, you haven't Great seen taste. Strange Days? Have to watch Strange Days. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about it? Um, no, I, I mean, you know, I, I think you, when you're talking about kind of from Bigelow's filmography, I do wish that she went back to genre films. I think, yeah. you know, um, maybe she's sort of stuck in this right now because she's made these, like, I'm doing their quotes again, important yes. films. Yes. But, yes. Um, you know, it would, because the thing, as you said, that with genre films, you can talk about the world, you can talk about all the issues that are going, going on mm. and in a way it might sort of feel more impactful because if you're talking about sort of if you're documenting things that are happening in real life it feels like there is some sort of subjectivity behind it yeah where where this is based where as a, if you're making a genre film it's basically saying you know this is how i you know they i guess what i'm saying is that those later films you're if you're telling a true story then there's a mixture of fact and fiction and you know you there's some subject subjective mm. yeah where regarding you know a film like strange days this is purely from one point of view yes. and it's like okay well this is how you feel about the world you mm. know um and uh yeah i really wish that she'd sort of go back to that but we'll, we'll see 
Yeah, you're right. Because when you're watching Zero Dark Thirty, yes, the torture scenes are horrific and hard to watch again. But at the same time, you can go, but that wasn't how they found Bin Laden. That's not, yeah, because, yeah, you're right. You can kind of question it more, this subjectivity. You kind of want to nail down certain things that she's not doing. Because, I, because again, I think she's kind of taking her genre to the extent where she's kind of can cloud certain things. But you're right. There's yeah. more subjectivity. Where there's Strange Days, it's one point of view. Yeah. It's all kind of melding into one. And when those kind of things that she's doing that she would broaden more in her later movies, they still, they hit better than I would say they do in her later movies. Um, so yeah, that I, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, look, there's, there's Blu-rays of strange days. So um, please, you can, you can actually access this movie and watch it. Cause it's that down. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible and it's so worth a watch and it's kind of, yeah, it's a Catherine Bigelow movie. Um, I think people need to see more of um, and talk about more because um, people don't talk about this movie enough. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry if I talk too much. I tend to do that. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and getting me to watch these movies again. It was absolutely fantastic and so great meeting you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you enjoy did you enjoy rewatching these films? I loved rewatching <coughs> these movies. It was yeah, an absolute blast. I may have rewound the opening scene of um, of Streets of Fire about five That's times. Fine. So it took me ages to get through it. Awesome. I'm like, I have to rewind. I have to rewind. I love this. I love yeah. That no, sequence. it's a, it's a killer opening <laughs> sequence. It really is. It, it's a ba- it's basically a music video, right? So yeah, it is. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah they do. Yeah. They incorporate these kind of music videos into into the movie a lot um and before we go please people tell people where they can find your good work okay so um uh yes we uh as i said we we run a podcast called who dropped the popcorn um you can find this on twitter uh at uh, who popcorn mm. um we're also on instagram as well um I should I should have written this down, but but uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter if you search or who dropped the popcorn, um, and then yeah, you can find us on basically most of your podcast apps, mm. um, yeah, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, give us a listen, and if you like what you hear, then um, uh, send us a review. I, yes, please, and I I'm actually looking forward. I got your Dune episode. I think you do both Dunes um, in that one. Oh yeah, so, so I was that, waiting that to... we had a, we had a lot of fun. Uh, well, one thing is that <laughs> I they the group could kind of tell that I was sort of biting my tongue throughout the most of the discussion because I had to sort of stop myself from ranting, um, and and then it was only at the end where I end up sort of. Um, rant about the film so uh, <laughs> but uh, it, 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 we really enjoyed we enjoyed talking about it you know I wasn't looking forward to talking about it because I felt sort of exhausted what so basically what we ended up doing in that episode is we watched the the original 1984 June yeah as well as the most recent one oh, and God, that would have been yeah <laughs> for me it was exhausting I was like I I kind of I was even contemplating do I even want to do this podcast as in do I do I want to continue doing this podcast because it felt like it broke me but um but when it came to us actually talking about it we had a lot of fun talking mm. about it so uh, yeah there you go no it's it's a great show because it is just um 
four guys hanging out talking movies and they have just weirdly different reactions to different movies and (laughs) or different points in different movies um which is which is always fun to listen to because you feel like you're part of the the group which is always um which is always great um good yes so please give it a listen um thank you so much for listening to shlokanor again um again if you want to listen to us on twitter uh, find us on twitter instagram it's just shlokan all one um, if you want to just follow me, I'm at Reading Geek. Yep. As uh, so, uh, yeah. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will be back with another double feature. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, yeah. everyone.